get new headphones? Nah, these have always these were mine last week's. Oh, really? Or two weeks ago? Yeah. Um, cool. Is, Is my, my voice way? going up and down? No, it's pretty steady. Okay. Then this is the uh, the master volume. What about mine? Is mine too loud or too low? Mm. Here, talk now. Yeah, is it? You think it's too loud? Too low? It, it, it depends, right? Because with audio, like I can always turn up my volume and like make you louder. Oh, yeah, right, right. But um, yeah, it's a good point. So I have no clue because I can turn up the gain more or less but like again it depends on yours too yeah exactly because i think this thing is getting i wonder if it's getting recorded in it might i don't know if it's getting it's probably getting recorded in mono probably yeah uh i'm just, I'm just gonna assume it's good um yeah, yeah so my friend um cause he's ready it, to go. well because the only thing it'll it can fuck up because uh like if you're way louder on than me, but you'll just hear that in the audio. True. Um, yeah. I mean, we could test it, but then I'll have to end it and start it again, which is annoying. Yeah. Is your friend ready? Yeah, he is. So I'm going to send him the link real quick. It's like a little cold here. I feel like I'm uh, covering a, an NFL game in, yes. in December. It's like 50 degrees, right? Yeah. But it's like really nice and sunny out, so I put All two right. layers on. So you're good to go. Yep. I think um, I, did Zoom just get rid of like the 40 minute limitation? Because I, like, I don't know. Did you? I don't know how you have this because I think I tried to set it up and I needed like set up what? I needed to purchase like a subscription or something to set up what. To have more than forty minutes. Oh yeah, yeah. Normally they they started they started that doing that earlier, but uh, they might have just lifted it. I mean, so, uh, this is a free account. I'm on my Gmail, but last week when we did it, we didn't get any. We didn't get kicked off last week. Yeah, or the week before, whatever. That's why I always ask you to send it because if I would send it, I think it would be like a forty-five minute. But call. this is my Gmail. I do have the other Texas one, which I try. I sent to you first. But it, I realized I was on my Texas one, so I got off and and sent you my Gmail. Yeah, because Texas uh, one is like too um, too restricted. Yeah, let's uh, let's give a shout out to one of our listeners. Uh, happy birthday, uh, Cody Hawkeyser! Uh, happy birthday, Cody! Uh, Jack, what's up, man? What's going on, Dick? Yeah, see me. What's yeah, up, dude? Yeah, you good? Uh, this is Chris Beck, one of my friends and co-hosts of the podcast. Hey, Chris, good to meet you, man. Nice to meet you too. I uh, so how do you guys know each other? Uh, school. Nick, Nick give yeah, him the introduction. Give him the uh, podcast introduction. Yeah. So well, I just I just watched uh, I watched the live, the eleventh one that Nick sent me. I liked it. Ooh. So like the this the Spotify like recommendation thing. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah. So. Yeah, so I have we so usually I like I'll, I'll pick out segments of the podcast like as specific topics. I'll, I'll pick them out and also upload them in addition to like the whole thing. Gotcha. And so that's why it's easier to just like send out specific topics or if people want to listen to specific stuff. They can. Um, Seems to be the trend right now: shorter, quicker clips. Yeah. Right. So I sent yeah, sent Jack um, that clip, 
and it turned out he did um so i also sent stack chris stack the article that you wrote jack and so it turns out that jack you did something pretty similar to what we were talking about last week right yeah like the um yeah i did a uh kind of the inverse of it where i took I took the Spotify wrapped playlist of 25 people and got their top hundred songs and showed where, where people uh, clustered and, and stuff like that. And, and the, the nodes connecting people were artists that they mutually listened to, which was kind of a similar thing to what I was doing. And so that would be for like, in order to recommend, um, like how, so people would, would look at other people, their friends to find like similar artists in terms of recommendations yeah do you want to see it i could share my screen yeah yeah that'd be great yeah i'm curious because like uh basically the like spotify's recommendations that show up next to the artist on the right side they're sometimes right. like ra random and not great and i've like wondered myself like how they how they like got to those artists yeah like, uh, nearest neighbor machine learning so Ooh. uh I think a lot of it is based on like, okay, if Nick and I both like, you know, some artists, Matchbox 20, I know Nick loves Matchbox 20. <laughs> like that. And then I think it just, it looks at, okay, of a thousand other people that have listened to Matchbox 20, what is the highest frequency of artists that appears on their own mm. five artists, you know? Okay. Like, where, where are the commonalities? Right. If that makes sense. Yeah. So how, how long did it, you said you learned a language or some tool to do it? Is this tool called Gephi? Uh, G-E-P-H-I? Yeah. Here, I can show you this thing. I think I might need to be host. Oh, but, yeah, my bad. Forgot about that. Yeah, it was just like that. Uh, you were in that class of a user-generated content analytics student. Yeah, right. He kind of mentioned it very vaguely one day, and I, like met with him and dove in a little bit more but it's cool to like i mean this is not as cool looking as the thing that you showed but basically i so these are and I, the only way to do it is pdf actually maybe i'll just show you the Gephi file because mm. pdf is kind of shitty yeah so i mean this i mean it looks like the exact same thing even though the one i had was like i don't know it was like a little dynamic but pretty much like the the colors represent uh, like one clustered network exactly right oh so if if i like Brittany l then the people who are closest to me like because they're different colors too right so like you can zoom in and see here that like um the artists that cluster around a person mm -hmm. um so it's yeah it's it's kind of the inverse of here. I feel like this is yeah. So the art, the artists aren't bigger, right? It's the artists that. aren't the main focus. Exactly. So kind of using like, and then there's certain metrics like. There's a metric called betweenness score, which means, basically, like if each person, if each person here were like a toll booth, and you each person wanted to visit every other person. Who would collect the most tolls basically like who would who would be the quickest direct access to other people mm, in the yes. highest between the score and like we found out that cat here had the highest between the score so she 
if I were a marketer, she would be the person who oh, might yeah. be the best influencer to, to introduce other people to new music because she's she's kind of the most connected within the network. She's mm. she she's in the middle. What about and Jess M isn't because the I guess the people on the right side it's more heavy trafficked. Um, do the people on the left hand side just listen to more music too? So everyone has the same. So the way this was done was everyone submitted their 100 songs that was in your 2019 wrapped playlist. Okay. Um, and then we found for an artist to be on this graph, there has to be at least two people that have listened to that artist. Okay. So like we see Odessa here. Odessa has, you know, Jenny S had Odessa in their top 100 and then Claire A. Yeah, yeah. Like Odessa is connecting them. Um, but then there's people like Anderson Pack had three or four people connect yeah. there. Um, Aretha Franklin had three, like um, Mac Miller. So, I mean, it's kind of like one of those things where, and it doesn't look that great when it exports to PDF, but you can kind of get lost in it a little bit and, and start to also see which artists are around you that don't connect to you of like, Oh, there's, maybe I should check this artist out because mm, around okay. me. Okay. So if there's artists close to you oh, in proximity, uh. but there, there actually is no error arrow to it. Like that's something you probably like based on similarities, but you have not listened to already. Right. Like similar to that thing that you guys went over the thing yeah. of colors. Um, and then if you have listener data of, I've never listened to this person, then that's kind of where a recommendation can be made. I think. Yeah. Um, Andres could really like, uh, you know, David Diggs, Dobby Diggs. Yeah, exactly. Mm. So can, you, can you scroll out a little bit, please? Like that yeah. Emmanuel Miranda I see in there. Yeah, exactly. someone's big into Hamilton right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. like, uh, so Santi has some, like, uh, some, like, exclusive or, like, taste that nobody else might have. Right. Yeah, he's pretty. Jenny S. likes some eclectic music. Right, and then I think God, uh, no, we had Chin. Chin was somewhere that. Right, yeah, Orange, like in between Edgar and Andres. Oh, yeah. Where's Chin? Chin does Chin I, I, not listen to enough music around him? I think Chin had the lowest uh, between the score. Not to rip on Chin. <laughs> <laughs> no description but, at all. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I mean, I think it's. Um, I, I'm curious, like, how the artists, like, get to these people, too, somehow. Um, if they're, like, if they're active listeners or, like, actively creating their own playlists or if they're, like, passively creating their own playlists. Right. Um, well, this is from, like, the, the most listens, right? Just, like, for the year, what do yeah, you listen to the most? Yeah, exactly. but you could, you could still be curating your own playlists or I guess you can be, like, you know, people listen to music differently and people kind of curate yeah, yeah, right. differently also like the i don't know about you guys but my my spotify rap playlist was pretty skewed towards like when i study i listen to like lo-fi yeah and then like that showed up so much in my top hundred and yeah and yeah yeah i think Vit vitamin string quartet was my artist of the decade <laughs> and i was like cool whack like i just listened yeah. to like orchestral pop hits <laughs> totally. my study. Yeah, yeah that's that's one thing like the frequency it's like it's not going to be, well, in mo a lot of cases, it's not like your favorite because like you said, I have purposes like when I work out, I listen to a certain type of music. 
totally. when I'm studying like certain type of music, like slow jams, like those aren't going to be like my favorite, but they're right. definitely up there in terms of plays. Yeah. And you don't have the wherewithal to like turn it onto like private session when you're doing that. Yeah. You care, but yeah. Spotify is listening. There's like one, um, embarrassingly, there's like one John Mayer album that just like puts me to sleep. So I listen to airplanes and I fell asleep for like 10 hours on my flight to Australia and it just looped. And yeah. nine of my top 10 tracks were the same John Mayer album. And I was just like, wow, this is embarrassing. horribly embarrassing. Yeah. yeah, that's what people, when uh, when Warp came out, people were complaining. It's like, I, I use like white noise on Spotify to fall asleep or I use like a Spotify sleep playlist. That's right. like a, a whack, like top artist. Yeah. It's, it's, it's annoying. Like Spotify Warped is cool, but like I need I need that access and I want that access all the time. But I understand why spot like Spotify is like hoarding the data to create like narratives that they want. Yeah. You know, whereas like I miss when I had iTunes, like I want to see what I've played the most. Totally. Show me like what artist and what song I've like played the most. And Spotify is definitely like holding on to that for like marketing purposes. Yeah. Have you guys heard of Obscurify? I've not. Was that no to just take this over but you basically you can give it you give it access to your your spotify and then it reads the data and it and it gives you a cool breakdown so hmm. it gives you top genres and then it says like what's your obscurity rating which whatever yep. the fuck that put, means put, put that in, put that in the chat yeah <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah yeah i love the i love these things that are like you just give them your spotify permission and it like totally like gives you like some sort of data or some sort of so story or what is this like the, the music that you listen to that has the least overlap with everybody else in the world so this is this is just a breakdown of my artists right now yeah. you or not like i guess right now i'm listening to a lot of both back in kings of leon and stuff but mm-hmm. like tracks it'll show you i think this is more to date so it's kind of like a like a uh it's attempting to be a more current wrapped because to Chris, okay. like, I want to see this more often than just annually. Yeah. Yeah. And it, like, it gives some cool shit, but... And so you listen to, like, uh, like electro-funk beats when you study, then, from seeing Grammatic Emancipator and... Totally. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Like, Joey Pescadora and shit. So, like, yeah. all that finds its way into my top tracks, which is fine, but then your Discover Weekly and stuff gets really skewed towards, like, you know... I don't know that I'm discovering that stuff as actively. And then this is like recommendation thing, which is cool. Uh, yeah. The, yeah. The recommendation thing, I, for me at least, I'm always, like I always like finding it on my own kind of more than like listening to Spotify recommendations or any kind of, I don't yeah, know. Like I, 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 I don't trust tech. I don't trust tech, but I trust mm-hmm. like, I don't know. I trust blogs more. Or I trust like. Oh yeah, but by, by the way, it's Stack hates technology and AI and anything machine learning. He hates all that. I think, stuff. I think that's a big point, though. That I don't know that you're in the minority for that. Like, I think I think a social recommendation from a human goes so much farther than this black box that gets delivered on our door every Monday from Discover Weekly, and it's like, uh, yeah, it's to see under the hood and and to know that it's coming from a human, I think is huge. Yeah. And it's why, it's why I like loved your article so much. Cause like, I've always thought, and I've never, I've just like never told this, but like 
when, when you were talking about like social um, and, and for, you know, for the, uh, the listeners out there who can't read, can you just uh, <laughs> summarize uh, your article? Cause I think this is a good sure. way. Thanks. Yeah. And it's basically about like, just um, it's called like the social music tech revolution. And it's just about um, how technology hasn't enabled people to be social around music like at all. And um, there's a lot of reasons for that, be it things like they're not being a natural universal player, you know, half your friends might be listening to Apple music, half might be listening to Spotify. So sending links and stuff isn't that easy, but um, it kind of just dives into um, where there's a lot of low hanging fruit and the fact that we're having to send these clunky URLs to friends to have any conversation around music and the conversations stopping before it even gets the chance to begin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, one of the things I think like something that I always noticed was, and there are tons of music startups out there who are trying to like create these, uh, you know, we'll call them underworlds cause they're startups and they just don't have access to like the massive <laughs> libraries that Spotify, Apple, and the the major labels give access to like only premier players so like there's so many companies like itching for to try and like create this like social music community that aren't making it out and making it popularized for whatever reason to like a point that it's like a known social platform you can maybe make the case that like musically and tiktok (laughs) might be like pseudo siding to that but yeah. like when I'm on Spotify and it's because of the library, like when I'm on Spotify, I can't even, I just see what my friends are listening to. I can't even like, like it. I can't even right. like engage with it whatsoever. It's completely like isolated. Right. Yeah. And it's, uh, and I, I read the article. I was like, yeah, you're so right. Cause like the music that I like has become very much just for me. And I, unless I like might share a playlist and have like friends, you know, putting in music that they discovered, which is a little more passive. There's no real, like, I don't know what, like, my favorite influencer likes. I don't know. It's like everything is too isolated that I just, like, I've curated a an interest in music that is only for me, really. Right. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's yeah. kind of, t- yeah. Go, Nick. I was going to say, like, there was a period in time, I would say like maybe like 2014 to like 2016, where I was so on top of like music and like finding new music. Mm-hmm. And I would always have like amazing pregame lists. I would like, I would be on, on point in terms of like finding new music always. But after that period, and especially like in business school, like I have added nothing, like no new music, maybe a couple songs in the past like two years. But there, and I, I just, I have no idea how to even find them. Like, all those avenues, I don't even know how I was finding them, but all those avenues are just like gone for me. So my place is like completely stale. I play the same things like over and over. I don't know we even know where to go to find yeah. them. I think it's kind of taking that path that we're seeing with the news, to be honest. And it's like, and with happening with Facebook, right? Like you're only getting delivered shit that you totally agree with. And then you, you see mm-hmm. these extremes starting to happen where you get delivered stuff you agree with and then you only surround your things with yourself with opinions that you agree with and then you wake up in two weeks naked in a field and you're like what i'm only i'm only being delivered shit i like and it's the same thing with our music tastes because of because of these 
pretty good like machine learning techniques, but they're finding out exactly what you want and then they deliver exactly what you want. And then our like tolerance for trying out new things is going away because it's like, it's so easy to just keep listening to the shit that we like. And then we, we're, we're getting pushed into corners. So I think like discovery is getting almost too good in a weird way. So yeah, that's definitely like that, that echo chamber effect, but exactly what, how can like, if we're advocating for, even more of like the inner integration of tech in this, how can we get around that limitation? Like how do we bring, like push forth the human aspect of it and not get too reliant on the tech if it's just gonna, you know, even like be better at in, uh, of um, recommending the same things? I think it's like, I think it's giving people the, the view under the hood of their own data and, and allowing that to drive human conversations. Like I think, I don't think we need to leave data by the wayside in order to promote things like social tech, but I think they should be hand in hand. Like for, for example, like a big pushback that I got on this article was a lot of people messaged me that were like, I, you know, I don't think music is inherently social. A lot of people say, Mm. I like to listen to my music behind closed doors and I don't really like to talk about it. And I don't see that. Like that was the biggest pushback I got. And, and, I think that looking back in history, like I think that people would have said that 10 years ago about fitness. Like I don't view fitness as inherently social. I just want to sweat and finish it. And now you have fitness is like the most social thing ever now with Peloton, with group classes, with all this stuff competing. Now fitness is social. I think 10, 15 years ago, you would have heard that with video games, right? I play video games to close the door and, and now video games with Twitch and stuff is like, it's, it's mm. more social things out there. So I think like, I think creating technology like unlocks the social aspect of things. Yeah. And I think that um, like the right technology could unlock the social aspect of music and, and uh, like using data and stuff could get people to have conversations and stuff. And I would be more open to, to trying things if it was if this was a recommendation if if somehow nick's listener data recommended a song to me and i knew it was coming from nick yeah um i think i would be more open to to trying that out and and things like that even if it's not you but maybe it's some technology that's that's analyzed your data to analyze my listener data so i've not listened to it but maybe there's a chance that um that we both enjoy it i think I think you just need to unlock that social piece, you know? Yeah. That reminds me of a, a similar topic that me and Stack talked about. I think when we first started this podcast like two years ago about creating like uh, there being a fake AI version of Kanye. Uh, but I, w- I want to go back to that, that, that topic in a minute. But like the people who are giving you pushback about your article and saying that mm-hmm. uh, they don't think music is inherently social, mm-hmm. and they, they don't want to like talk about it. Is, yeah. it, is it because like there's an aspect of like maybe like shame or like for those people who might be listening to different things and like maybe feel uncomfortable about talking about it because I might be looked at a certain way for listening to that, that type of music? Yeah, I, I definitely think it's that. I also think not to call people out, but it's an older generation. I think it, um, I think we're seeing now with the popularity of TikTok with Gen Z and, and part of the millennials is like, people are thirsting for to express themselves with music and the mm-hmm. technology is just not out there. And then when you see something like TikTok come across, yeah. it's 
exploded with engagement as well. The engagement metrics are just insane because it's finally a way for people to express themselves through music. So I found that it's mostly older people that put it out there that are like, hey, I listen to this stuff. It's private to me. I don't want the world knowing what I'm listening to on a Sunday morning. Um, I, I agree with that, by the way. The, the timing of when you listen to music, I don't want people seeing, like, at 4 a.m., I'm listening to, like, Usher or, like, yeah. Boys to Men. Like, I, don't want, I don't want people to know that. But I agree yeah. with the, the timing aspect of it. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. And there's – um, and the way I'm kind of – like, I would – I would really like to see like what my close group of friends are listening to. Like if Spotify could even just do like, you know, groups, you know, like social groups or something like that. Mm, yeah. um, because I would definitely, I'm more interested to see what like my friends are interested to. Cause I kind of know their taste. Mm. Um, another thing like in the music industry, there's like publishing for like people to just like listen to in their homes. And then there's the live element and they're two like pretty different, like distinctions in the music space whereas like the live element you know typically does cater to the younger generation and that kind of music is that live element is a very different listening experience and like mm -hmm. social music experience than you know the publishing side of things to where music is on you know television shows movies just like passive listening um, right. older people, you know, listening to music. Um, and I, I do see people just kind of wanting, because there's something about like being with people in a live space. That's completely separate from like listening at home. Yeah. That um, experience. Yeah, yeah. I agree with that for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, but, but there still is something about like with TikTok. um, and, and a lot of the music discovery kind of new platforms, I just saw, you know, the, the music blogs are, um, you know, kind of by the wayside. Um, and, and a lot of people who, some people who started music blogs are now starting these like upvote generators where like a group of like music discoverers are just like clicking, you know, thumbs up. Yeah. Uh, and those are communities of, of just people who are really into like discovering new artists, just pressing yes Right. or nothing else and just like upvoting uh their favorite songs which i think is something that can work in like smaller like factions like if i just took like my group of 10 friends and then you know the problem is like the library is so huge but like you just like upvote things right um I, I like that more i think like the collaborative playlisting is so hard to keep momentum up with that like i yeah. First couple of weeks, you're excited. You got a funny playlist name, and you're like adding to it and stuff. And then two weeks later, people are like, "I just don't have the energy to keep doing this." Uh, and and, and upvoting could be could be a, a, an easier way to keep that keep that going or something like that. Yeah, and music is also like pretty connected to like action, right? So like you might have like a favorite uh, playlist that you listen to, like. I'm thinking just at home listening for a different playlist for studying, a different playlist for like mm -hmm. cooking, a different playlist for uh, shower, you know, different playlists for different actions. So that's why it's easier to have like a collaborative playlist. Let's say if you're all in an office together and you had like a collaborative playlist, you're like, right. and you find somebody that also enjoys music with that action, then it's easier to uh, 
collaborate on that but i completely agree that like nowadays like if i start a music playlist with friends it'll like it'll like die off in a little as like people's discovery kind of just gets add and and they start trying to find other yeah other things what do you think like the ideal because obviously like social just that word even is changing so much and like what we inherently even our generation thinks of as social is like the ability to comment and like and things like that and even that is starting to die now with the stories now taking over from the feed and and maybe it is more of just liking things and like just the interaction with with social and what that means is like changing and i don't even know like what gen z ideally what their engagement what their needs are on social yeah p- part of me is a little uh like part of me unfortunately thinks social is like uh people people have the people that they like to follow on social media you know everyone has like their own god these days like cardi b is a god kanye is a god but like everyone like follows like their own like mm-hmm. favorite influencer um, yeah. so to like see what they're listening to or what their favorite new music discovery is, mm-hmm. I think could be cool, um, for people who are into following like influencers and celebrities, which I think a lot of people are. Yeah. And then for people who don't give a shit about that, uh, you know, something with something you can do within your friend group. Um, yeah but those are the kind of two avenues. I think like, unfortunately, like celebrities are like the Gen Z and the kind of the technology, like avenue of socializing. Cause you follow this like idol of yours and you enjoy right. what they're posting and you'd probably enjoy seeing what their favorite music discovery is once a week. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've seen some interesting uh, startups in the space trying to take social, trying to take the fantasy sports model into music. I don't know if you guys have seen that where it's, like a fantasy record label so like you and your friends would each pick 10 artists or groups and kind of track their progress after you add them to your record label and and uh so is is that like based on their success in like number of streams and sales and stuff i've seen like one is using streams like spotify streams i've seen another one that's it hasn't launched yet that's trying to do like a proprietary algorithm that would blend streams, social media engagement and a few other things into like a score. And if your yeah. artist score goes up, then you're, you're late mm. than your friends. And um, it's interesting seeing like people taking parallel industries and trying to apply it to, to social music tech in a way. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that'd that's be pretty cool. If we did that, like as a group, yeah, um, I'm, cu- I'm curious if it if it's like again something that we do for a little and then dies out. Yeah, um, no, I think so. Uh, I had a, I had a point, but I forgot. Go ahead, Nick. Yeah, no, but like I was gonna say for like artists, say there is like some artists that I've heard at a festival or something that are nobody really knows about up and coming, and then like I recommend them. Um, to me, like the the big, I'm not gonna be like. Five years from now, this artist is going to have this amount of sale. This artist is going to be huge. Like, I don't really care commercially right. what happens to them, but I do care what, if my friends also agree with me that that's like a good, you know, good artist or whatever. Totally. So again, like what we were saying, like um, that group, uh, that pocket of friends, like their opinion for, for me is more important than like that global mass success or appeal. 
So like, I think it works. Yeah, definitely works better within a friend group where you kind of overlap and know each other's interests and like obviously care more about their opinion than like just a mass appeal. And I think that's where the data can be most useful. Like I think like bottling that endorphin feeling of you sending a song to someone and then a week later them being like, oh, I can't stop listening to this song. It's fucking incredible. And like that feels really good. And it right now it's really hard to do, especially with friends that you that you're not geographically close to, like the the virtual engagement or to be able like yes, if you're with someone and you hang out a lot, you can play it on the aux cord or whatever, but long distance it's tough to do. And like why why can't there be um this tracking of the life of a song and like once you send it to someone, yeah, why can't that every listen from there then be attributed back to you have this central score that says, okay, Nick Sanders has created, you know, 250 incremental listens this week from your recommendations. And then that sort of gamifies into, okay, Nick is ranked number two out of eight within this friend group. And like, who's influencing who? Yeah. Yeah. And I completely agree with that. And this is, this is what, like, in terms of gamifying and, like, adding a competitive nature, because you want, like, back in college when you were like, yo, you got to listen to this, and they listened to this and they loved it, like, that was the best feeling. Right. Yeah. And this is, you know, what we do with our friends is, like, we recommend, um, like, movies and TV shows and assign points. And that's yeah. the, the whole idea is to, like, like you want to be the one, like, ahead of the curb. You want to be the one recommending. You want to get all the points. Right. Um, and I, I think that's, yeah, I completely, uh, agree with that in terms of, yeah, I just think that's a great idea. It reminds me of like, like blockchain, like it being like a ledger. So like, Mm. so someone, uh, recommends something and that that's the origin of the ledger, right? The whole chain. And then it goes on. Next point is someone like listens to it. That's one event. Uh, then this person like upvotes it. That's one event. And like, there's this, this ledger of like how it's, it's how many people have listened to it, what people have recommended it, like who they shared it to. Right. So you can get like a, a full picture of its entire life cycle. And like huh. you can use that to assign some type of like score or influence or like use that to like send it a different direction. Yeah. That's like, it reminds me a lot of blockchain actually. It's interesting that you mentioned that too, because I have been like looking into what sort of music tech, um, like venture capital exists out in the world, like what what VC uh, firms are focusing on music tech and investing there. And there's one out of LA called Raised in Space. And they're primarily, and they only, they're Scooter Bronze VC firm or like kind of running it. And they are primarily backed by Ripple. Like that's, oh, really? okay. um, their main funding's coming from them. And it's, they want to find ways to implement blockchain into like, the music tech yeah sure they're invent they're investing in fintech they're investing everywhere and kind of hedging their bets but yeah um it's interesting that you mentioned that 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 they're kind of trying to get into the space in a way yeah i definitely see a parallel there although like there has to be someone who's like like not the blockchain there's an aspect of someone like figuring out or verifying that the next event is like valid so there's right. that wouldn't be the case in this. It would just kind of be automated, but right. definitely. Yeah, and that's and that's the more social aspect that that's the the missing piece. Whereas the piece that isn't missing is like 
like Billboard already has like an algorithm to like have like number one song using like YouTube. I think they might use, do they use Spotify? I forget, but it's like social metrics, album sales. I think it was like interesting, like once YouTube, YouTube like started being part of the Billboard algorithm in like 2013. And mm-hmm. right when that happened, like Harlem Shake, like shot up to number one. Mm. Harlem Shake? That was just like, it's like these viral, like these, uh, the music that would go viral on YouTube started becoming like number one mm. on Billboard. So they already have like, did they get like, rid of that? They already have like a commercial popularization of music. Right. And then like for people to do fantasy, um, you know, that, that does sound kind of fun, like DraftKings and I guess gambling on artists. I don't know yeah. where, where that is, but the missing space is that that same thing is like Instagram. The same thing is like, you know, the big social media platform that everybody uses. You can see what, um, you know what celebrities are listening to um but right. you know, like close group of friends that part i think is a different avenue than i guess the commercially successful or, or betting on the commercially successful yeah yeah yeah. Sure. yeah i think like using the using like the the first iteration or the first um the first wave of like, okay, I suggested this song to you, you listened to it 10 times, therefore that's being attributed back to me is interesting, but almost like the second and third ripple off of that is more interesting. Like essentially if like, if the, the blockchain thing that you're talking about, Nick, if, if it were done well, you could, you could trace back the origins of, of a viral song back to a small mm. adopters. That'd be incredible. Yeah. So like, and then why wouldn't then if Nick, if you were the guy that, that really blasted out Harlem shake at the beginning, the next time a, a song is trying to go viral, they're going to reach out to you. Like, so there's a monetization thing there, which I know is like, can be the enemy. Cause then you're sort of controlling, you know, the big labels can then start controlling the virality of it a little bit more. But yeah. um, I think being able to like, okay, yes, I created 10 listens with my friend, but then he told 10 people about it and then they each listened 10 times and then all of a sudden, Nick's getting credited with 5 million listens. Yeah. You know, I think the ripples that could be created from this from a social standpoint, I mean, it's the same as like retweets and shit. If, yeah. If Elon Musk gets a hold of your tweet and sends it out, then it's probably yeah. amplify much bigger. But I think that's where like the, the really cool social stuff could come down the line. Yeah, and it, and it should be like, yeah, like repeat listens. Um, yeah. The one of the the issues, and you mentioned it kind of on labels with the money, but like SoundCloud, for example, like a lot of these, even like Spotify. Spotify actually does a pretty good job of this, but like cheating the system, mm-hmm. right? Like in music, and and one of the reasons that I think SoundCloud a downfall is because of how easy it was to uh, to play SoundCloud and just everyone's in these repost groups and like the biggest channel would just like charge for reposts and the people who were hustling the most could get their artists just like getting the most plays. And that like hustle aspect, you know, people were just getting their music. There was a little democratization, but people were just kind of going into repost networks and it became like a pretty toxic place where Spotify cut all that out and they're like, we Mm -hmm. control the best playlists like you Dude. can make playlists and like try to compete with us, but 
Didn't like, you say that there is, there is like some uh, curated playlist on Spotify that would be like, I don't know, like uh, Rap Caviar or something. Like they would only, like every weekly or whatever, they would release like a new playlist or whatever. So didn't you say that there was some democratization in terms of like how songs get on those certain curated playlists? And once they're on there, obviously they're going to get a ton of more listens, right? Yeah. And that's how, that's that's, how songs, that's how songs become, there is some sort of a democratization, but there is like one, there's a gatekeeper for these editorial playlists. And the democratization can just be, can be difficult and they can be, it can be gamed. Um, And even, you can even make the case that late, like with the whole blockchain thing, like made the major labels, the three major labels can still, you know, have these very powerful pockets of influences, aka the influencers who are just yeah. promoting whoever the label connects them with, yeah. whoever the label makes them have a play date with. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they have the most influence points, so they can control who somebody's going to be controlling who uh, who the influencers are promoting by just simply connecting them. Most people are good. Most people, when you put creatives in a room, are going to get along. They're going to like each other. They're going to be influenced off each other and labels connect to who goes in a room with each other. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's hard to get around like whatever, whatever method you use. I guess it's hard to get around really. Um, But going back to, um, so one topic we were talking about a couple years ago was, so, so this is the scenario. Kanye West is approaching retirement, right? Um, But he doesn't say he's going to retire. Instead, there's an AI version of Kanye that's created that has ingested all of his music as well as like different aspects of his like creation process in making music. Interesting. So, so this AI version of Kanye is pretty much like spotless in terms of creating music that sounds like Kanye and like it's produced in the same way that Kanye produces music, right? Yeah. And then so for a couple of years, as Kanye, like new music is released, and everybody thinks it's Kanye. Like nobody has any idea. It's still mm-hmm. the same. Nobody thinks it's Kanye. So there's that aspect to it. But then eventually Kanye comes out and says, actually, like the last <laughs> couple of years, it hasn't actually been me. It's an AI version of, of me. And, and then I'm going to continue <laughs> to release music under this AI version of me. Right. And so what's the response to that? What do you think people will say to that? And going forward, like, will people even care because of this AI is like is actually creating music as Kanye would would create music. So does it even matter that it's not Kanye himself? Like if there was a, a version of if you saw on Spotify, Nick has recommended this song, but it wasn't actually me. It was my recommendation. It was like my algorithm. Right. Like, do, would people even care? <laughs> if I, I think people. I think people at the end of the day do care about like the story. Uh, so my answer is if that story picked up and people were able to, to vibe with a robot, that's kind of, like, I, I do think people jive with the human element. So if a robot came out and it's like, I'm not Kanye, I'm just a, a robot who makes Kanye. You're like, damn, this is actually pretty good. Yeah. Um, I think it's a good question. Would you um, care? Yeah, I would personally care. Yeah. So you would like because, you because want to I, to I think yeah I think good music is easy to find. Good music is very easy to find, very easy to come by. So like, I do like, I do like the human element more. 
but so okay I, mean, I like my also- favorite artists and i like like if i'm discovering a new artist and i figure out it's a robot Well, let's stick to Kanye. Maybe the first robot. So, like, Kanye, do you like Kanye as a person? You, your answer has to be no. Yeah, I don't know the guy. Okay, exactly. <laughs> Thank you. So, you like his music? Yeah, so it's the, probably one so of my if, favorite music. If there's a version, if there's a, a AI version that creates music and produces music exactly as Kanye would, and you don't like Kanye as a person, like, you separate the two. So, in my opinion, I wouldn't care at all if, if it was not actually him, because it, it sounds exactly like him. And that's, it's like, it, it sounds good. It's what I want to hear from Kanye. I wouldn't even right. care if it, I knew it wasn't him creating it. And now yeah, I, I think- could say, I, I only want, you, you might be able to pick your robot and say, I only want, uh, you know, college dropout Kanye. AI. Exactly, thank you. <laughs> yeah. exactly what I want. Yeah, you can go on, you know, Animal Crossing and create your own DJ and be like, I fucking love this guy. Uh, I don't know. It just, uh, I think there's a, there's an intimate uh, relationship with music that I think robots will not necessarily have, but I could be wrong. I think like the AI and music thing is obviously like the hot topic right now. And it's getting a lot of pushback from creatives of like, if you, if you ingest this and allow this to happen, I think I agree with Chris that like the lyric side of it, I don't want, AI to be involved in that that much because the story and stuff, once that goes away, then whatever. But I think there is a place where AI can help in the creative process, um, especially in terms of like making beats and sound engineering. You know, back in the day, you needed a full room of sound engineers to, to finish something up. And now we've got really good AI software that you can basically do it on your iPhone and pass yeah. a song. So like, I think that's where AI is gonna first come out, but maybe this is a controversial statement, but I think maybe electronic music might be the first real avenue where we see an example like that, Nick, of like, hey, by the way, this wasn't a human. This was a 30 minute set by someone. This is AI technology that just looked at what the most popular shit was. And uh, maybe that's controversial to electronic music fans, but I could see where where that sort of thing happens first so no so electronic music and this is where the divide of live versus uh, publication come in electronic music is the live element right like so i it wouldn't like people who like sit around passively listen like you could easily put on like a house beat made by ai and like the person wouldn't know but what makes like electronic music fans are it's it's a completely live showcase so like that, I don't, you can replace that with AI in the same way that like whoever is the DJ or the person making the music doesn't necessarily need to be in the foreground, but it'll mm. just be like a crazy visual and people listening to like music that maybe a robot made, but yeah. it's like, if that did have an impact, it would be, it would have to like blow things up in like a live element. And it wouldn't yeah. surprise me if it's like, this team like made this row or I mean, it's, it's really yeah. just like a robot. And I think I saw like, might've been maybe a year ago that um, like a team, I don't, if, I don't know if it's company or just a team who created this, this algorithm got signed to a label. Like mm-hmm. 
that was like kind of big news, but it was it was the first time that a non human <laughs> a non human got signed to a label. And it was it was just an like they hadn't they had created some content or songs, but it wasn't like the songs that they cared about. It was like just the algorithm that the technically the, the algorithm that the uh, the label signed. Hmm. It's pretty interesting. That is interesting. There's a there's a startup in Austin that I, I can send it to you guys. I forget what it's called, but I saw him present one time, and it, it's basically an AI ghostwriter app. Ooh. And you can pick, you can pick a certain, they have, they basically ingested, you know, the top 50 hip hop artists, all of their lyrics ever. Yeah. So you can basically have, you can choose like, okay, I wrote this first thing and I want Snoop Dogg to finish this. And basically. Wow. Ingest that. And then they've even, I'm pretty sure done like by era artists. So like 2000s Kanye finish this line sort of thing and it's like that's incredible it's a pretty funny thing to click around with is that on the app store yeah let me find out what it's called real quick wow that's uh it sounds uh, like like it sounds like there's tech stars it sounds like music sampling right but it's just lyrics it's what do you mean music sampling like you can choose snoop dogg to finish an adele song or something a song that you wrote like if you're writing a song oh wow it's just lyrics it's not um it's not like samples or anything you could still make snoop dogg sing adele's hello well it's not his voice right it's just his 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 like what his his lyrics what, right. if you were to create lyrics for that song what would he say not his voice yeah like you'd get the text you would just write text in and you would click who you like what who should finish this line where is this so so that all sounds fun my my only thing is that like typically people fo- people follow people cuz people follow DJs cuz they're like they're people you know i think they would just if they keep watching like a robot do things like the robot better create a fucking good story and keep creating a good story. And that, that takes like a creativity and like a human touch. That is, I think like just like anyone who has followers, anyone who has people like following them, it's, it's a person behind there because there's an authentic touch that I don't think robots are, are capable of actually curating. And then like having people follow the robot, people follow the people create the robot and people interact socially in whatever robot but for people to follow a robot i'm, I'm just trying to like so it's hard for me to picture to yeah i think i think see. like what you're touching at is like so the, this ai version is is ingesting all old stuff like all previous stuff so like it comes down to the ability of ai to like create a new story like something completely new like not based on the stuff he's ingested, but it can't just be like a, a repetition, like spinning out like similar stuff to what has already been done. It has to have the ability to like create completely new stories or a new style, like mm-hmm. based off that, you know? So does it like, will it have that ability is a big thing. Cause it's it just not, it's not like, it's not that interesting if the AI just uh, spits out a little like similar new versions of this, but like has created a new, completely new story new album right yeah sure yeah 
and then it could be great. But the reason that like Fiona Apple's album is so great is because it's so disjointed and like, so like, just like authentic and like almost like simple, you know, like, like new music, like music is just good. And there's a lot of good new music. I understand the concept of like creating a new space, but like, I could totally, like when you were like, there's an, a there's a robot that creates Kanye music exactly like Kanye. It didn't take me a second to be like, yeah, that's probably true. Like just yeah. like auto tune. Like he's just like saying things over like kind of like an ocean of like synths and stuff like that. Like, okay. But like, I think people follow Kanye cause of just like everything he's done. And I think that like human element, I think there'll be robots to be able to create stories upon stories, but people can also do that. Yeah. But that needs to, are people necessary? Activity. I think people like people who are creative, robots that are creative are not as impressive because they're designed by people. Okay. Um, like people, like people, people like seeing a person do like a crazy, like, like transition or a crazy, like, uh, like with music, like, oh, that guitar thing was crazy. If they see a robot doing it, they're like, that's a robot. Right. It's supposed to do that. I feel like there's more of a middle ground, though, that like, <clears throat> like, I guess back in the day, like, when people, when writers were probably like, I only use typewriters. And they're like, well, what about this word processor? It's like, it spell checks. It does all stuff. It helps with formatting. It's smart and stuff like that. And I'm sure there were some like traditionalists that were like, no, you cannot include that in the creative process whatsoever. And then maybe like there's a future state where I do think that I agree that like, I don't want this purely AI based entity on stage. That's just a robot that creates itself. But I think there's like tools that might like grease the wheels for the creative process a little bit where it's like, oh, even ingest my old data of like, how have I finished this line in the past? Or like mm, a good hip hop sample that compare with this or um, things like that, that might come before then. Right. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Like I could see like a randomized like music sampler and, and like you'll be able to create a song in like, you know, 30 minutes to an hour. Right. And like you're, and then you have like good branding and stuff like that. There's a lot of like different like moving parts that like create it but i i do see that and then what evolves the technology evolves to to continuously evolve the people's attention if you want to talk like people are not necessary complete like you still need to pay or you don't need to pay and then we're just talking about robots taking over but like to <laughs> grab people's attention like then that story is going to become better and better and better and like People are going to be enjoying music like drunk and, you know, off whatever, enjoying this just like immersive technology, maybe even like a VR experience that, you know, they're able to be in a VR headset next to their friends because the friends aspect is important. Um, right. And like, and then it's just like companies that are different companies that are, you know, putting forward, you know, their AI music machine rather mm -hmm. than like single people because you need a, a, a big team to, you know, do all that. But, you know, I think that's the, the whole infinity technology debate and how quickly will that come? Um, yeah. But it's, everything's about grabbing people's attention. And I think that there is an element of human uh, ability, like 
humans doing ridiculous things that people are attracted to. Yeah. And I think if it's a completely robotic thing, I'm not, I'm not sure where the line where people fall off and start like going down their own, like Westworld, they just go on their own fucking journey and like nobody's socializing with anybody anymore. And then people get sad and what's the point? And then Mm -hmm. they stop. Yeah. For me, like the, uh, in terms of AI, the more we're able to like for AI to mimic human behavior, the more interesting it is to me. So I want to see it go completely all the way. I want to see it go all the way. That's like the most interesting point for me. Like in terms of the uh, appropriate transition to the future of festivals, right? Like, do you think like festivals, like people will still be gathering in large places and, and going to festivals for a long time? Or do you think people are going to have so much fun at home that they're just going to sit their fat ass down and put their VR headset on and go to Coachella VR and like I see Avatar Nick and I'm like, sup Avatar Nick. And like, yeah. I can actually like smoke and blaze and do whatever the hell I want. But yeah. at home, I don't think that will yeah. end because I think people are inherently like they need to be close and actually like physically near right. other people rather. Yeah, than- I, I have strong opinions. I agree with you wholeheartedly on that. I think like there's too many headlines coming out right now, like the live music, the concert is dead and we're only- Doing virtual concerts from now on it's like i think the pendulum's gonna swing so much farther back that we're all we've all been stripped of this in-person experience that we didn't realize we missed so much and and hopefully when this all ends i think there will be a place for some sort of virtual thing but i by no means think that is the new norm that we're gonna sit on our couch watching willie nelson in his underwear a guitar trying to figure out his wi-fi password like there's there's good that have come from it, but I don't know that it's gonna that it's just gonna be this whole new standalone. Yeah, I'm I'm already bored. Like music just sounds different in a live environment. Like oh, yeah, it's just like sure. it's unparalleled. And like I can get the best mixing freaking like Abbey Road headphones ever, but it's not the same right. as 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 a live environment holding the beer. Yeah. smoking a joint and just like oh, getting don't get me excited <laughs> and getting getting blasted by subs like well, it's, i mean uh and then like being near people turning to them going haha that was a sick drop like yeah i don't know i can't like the the at home everyone like doing dj sets at home in quarantine i'm just getting like shit faced on my couch like i i can't do that for that much longer and like i'm i'm a pretty introverted person you know i feel the same way like that's trash. Like the DJs on, on who are doing Zoom stuff and like us turning into festivals through Zoom. I think that that's trash. But like, so, but I'm still, because of the, the virus, I think for a while, like there's going to be a good segment of people in terms of large crowds. Like I'm just talking about huge crowds, like festival yeah. type crowds. Yeah. They're going to be much more hesitant to do that type of thing. And that's not speaking to like the live experience, but just in terms of people you know, getting together in, in very lar- large amount of crowds, I think that there's going to be a little hesitancy to return to that. Yeah, I, I think I think there definitely is going to be hesitancy, right? The first one, like, like maybe some people get corona from it and there's bad press. And then, like, eventually there's going to be one that went fine. Nobody got corona from it. And, like, people, people are probably still down to go to festivals now. Like, if a festival happened, like, a good amount – of, I don't doubt my, that. My opinion, idiots would show up to it. I don't and, doubt that. 
it, and it might be fine and it might not, but like eventually one of them is going to be fine. Uh, a vaccine is going to be created. And I think people still need that kind of physical um, yeah. <laughs> thing, but like who's creating the physical thing. I, I don't give a sh I don't know. I don't think I care if it's like robots, but I just want to be near people. Okay. Yeah. What, what aspect of the, if we all seem to agree right now that the, the live virtual concert from my couch probably won't have that much steam once this all settles down. Like what aspect of this trend do you think will stay in post COVID? In terms of the music or just in general, the, the video of like the live live stream, you know, and like live stream. Yeah. I think, I think more creative live streams will happen. I think like exclusive paid live streams like Justin Bieber and, uh, and Haley and his wife are like doing like, cause Facebook now came out with paid live streams. And I think Justin yeah. Bieber and like his wife are like, you know, come hang out with us during an afternoon. Um, and you have to pay to be there. But I think those things might pick up some traction a little bit. Even post COVID post lockdown. Yeah. It would still live. I think, I think the live stream, uh, the the live stream, you know, storytelling, the live stream avenue will will pick up in influencers and celebrities doing it. Yeah, and it'll pick up in production value because of that. I can't see people paying for, like once this is, is over. I can't see people. First of all, you like artists are not going to do it. Continue to do it if they're not going to make money. And you talk about Justin Bieber doing paid stuff, but I really, if, if now you're given the opportunity to go to a live show, I don't see people continuing to pay for that. Like, I, I think that's pretty much going to die off eventually. But again, like, so is large festivals. Am I oh, going to be less? But it, it's all, it's all, it's all content, right? Like Quibi is like short clips of celebrities it's just like a better narrative, a better, it's an actual like story. Yeah. Um, I can see there being a bigger appetite for like concert footage. Like I guess now, like if I'm having a beer in my apartment and just like cooking or something or, or walking around, I think my, my openness to having a, like, like if I could throw on the TV a really well-filmed old concert that I've been to. Yeah. That could be a market where maybe in the future, I mean, I know there's things like Nugs TV and like you can get you can get concerts, but maybe that's a bigger thing where people want and can pay for that footage a lot more, and it's just like a background thing that we watch much more often. Mm, okay, so I was I was thinking about that's a good point. I was thinking about like just so the artists like streaming from home or like from their studio, like what we see now. But yeah. if we're saying like at concerts now could have like limited capacity or whatever, and then they're just being a huge push towards instead of going there, you now you can just pay to like pay-per-view or something to, to watch the concert at home. I would definitely yeah. like, that's incredible. Like when I was, even before COVID, um, like Coachella, when they stream on, I don't know if it was Coachella, it was something over the summer, but they're, the way they stream on YouTube is, it was incredible. Like yeah, I was yeah, yeah. They're, do they're doing that a lot. And a lot of them, they'll tape their, their sets and then they'll put it on YouTube. I've um, also talked with some people about like, you know, what, what is 
this five, 10 years down the road that maybe had a, its origins with the COVID thing, like the live streaming. I think it shows that we we're open to, and we want some content from artists that's a little different to what we've been getting. And I think one of the big things that we might still want is like a peek into the creative process. So like, um, I don't know about you guys, but I could watch like hours of footage of like a really talented musician in the studio, like creating music and stuff like that. And maybe it's the form now where artists film that whole process. Like, yeah. So, so I know like, uh, the reason that I think I disagree with that is just because I think it's one of those things. It's like cool if you haven't like done it, but like eventually if you like watch enough, it, it becomes like very boring and technical and it's not, you kind of then realize a guy is just on a p like knows what the piano is and is just doing like it, a lot of music creation is like searching for sounds like watching mm -hmm. the cre the music creation aspect like can be pretty boring um and it's, it's like a well-edited one yeah, yeah seeing the entire right you know yeah it's it. it's cool at first and i think that could build up but that that stuff is like available that stuff is like pretty available yeah. In a lot of cases, you do want like bigger artists to kind of go in there and like talk about their uh, production process. Yeah, I mean, I've seen I've seen a couple like well, ju like, like Justice like Justice did a like a mixing with the Masters live stream over COVID, and that was kind of something popular. But uh, it becomes kind of niched, um, and and I think novel for for the majority of people. Yeah. Well, I've seen a couple. It ha yeah. It has to be like, well, it has to be cut and like not the entire, like live, the raw process. Like mm -hmm. I've seen a couple, even on, I've seen a couple um, documentaries like Jay-Z's fade to black where it goes mm -hmm. into uh, his production process and how he's in the studio, like actually creating music. Yeah. I was extremely it's fascinating uh, to me. Yeah. That yeah. was incredible. So like, I agree. And even on YouTube when they're, they have a couple of clips of like DJ premiere, some DJ drama, like how he created this beat or like how he right. put together this song or whatever. Those like, and, and a lot of artists are completely don't let people in on that. Mm -hmm. So yeah. if they were to do more of those, that could be a big, uh, like a, another big like avenue for exposure and like, like pushing their music for sure. Right. Like what if that's the new norm every time album gets released we expect a 25 minute web series documentary about how that was made and yeah like, yeah yeah, yeah. that was the norm of like cameras there's you know you get these cheap cameras and you film the whole thing and then cut it down and like just looking at like the broken revenue stream model for artists right now where it's like merch touring streaming two of those are pretty much broken right now and it's yeah. like we, how do we get them more money and maybe it's kind of creative ways like that of like, okay, um, some more, some more ways of like a web series or some other ways to monetize, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it sounds a little, it's, it's kind of hard to make it really good. Like I'm thinking, you know, um, I'm thinking the last dance quality type of documentary. Like you need yeah, like, it's, hard, to do that. Yeah, it's for sure. hard for like artists just to like, edit a a very like enticing like netflix picked this up for the album but i can see that for like a couple of very big artists yeah yeah for certain 
it, it would be like you know a handful um like if they did like yeah yes yeah, be, yeah. Um, I mean, I'd, be, I'd be interested in that but did you going back to uh to robots did you guys see the the newest uh when elon musk was on joe rogan a couple days ago no I, I need I'm, gonna to go, I'm gonna go to the bathroom real quick i'll be right back <laughs> okay. uh stack you didn't see it yet what I, I'm gonna no. put on pause actually. Give me. All right. What, what do you got, Stack? I just want to try this. Did you hear that? Um, no. I think I heard something vaguely. Hold on. It like it says you're sharing audio, but I still can't hear it, anything. Yeah, I'm just trying some. Hold on. Hold on, I think I got it. To all the friends. Fuck you. Get up. Get on it. Great deal. Gonna bring it back. We are ready for takeoff. <laughs> All right, that's cool. But I know I can do that now. Yeah. What are we listening to? I just loaded up a drum rack of a bunch of vocal phrases. Like an audience for like a good comment. Yeah, the, yeah. Now I get used to this, track. and then anytime anyone says something, I'll just make some noise. It'll be an intro. All right, I like the the gag. Was, yeah. Um, yeah, that's what uh, you see. Duncan Trestle's podcast, The Death Squad. Um, what's the guy's name? He's like one of the Joe Rogan dudes. Uh, he has a podcast with Duncan Trestle where he just mm. has new comedians come up and he just fries them. I'm not sure. Uh, it's Kill Tony podcast. That's what it is. Okay. Did they do those type of sounds? Yeah. He just has like a soundboard and he just plays random ass samples. But, um, yeah, that was just like a tech thing. Uh, um, how was the Elon Musk? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yes. So, Jack, do you uh, watch Joe Rogan podcast at all? Joe Rogan's I don't that much. I've seen some of those video highlights and stuff, but I, I don't Yeah. Sure weekly. So, was it good? Yeah, I guess. So, this is the second time that uh, Elon Musk has been on. And uh, it was like a couple days ago. And so, obviously, you know, he has like a couple different companies. He's working on like a couple different things like SpaceX, the boring company or whatever it's called, obviously Tesla. Uh, and there's another one called Neuralink. And last time he was on, he like talked about Neuralink a little bit, but because they're in the midst of development or whatever, he couldn't say anything about like what it actually was. Hmm. Uh, and in between the last time and this time, like a press release came out of, of what they were releasing. But basically, um, so basically what Neuralink is, is it's a interface like uh an inch big interface that looks like a, a smartwatch or whatever that's like implanted on your skull like they take out uh, a chunk of your skull and they'll put this little interface like embedded in your skull and it has wires that connects to like the neurons in your in your brain and initially it's for um it's it's trying it's for like brain injuries like uh uh like results of strokes um, like CTE, 
like uh, dementia, back, Alzheimer's, that kind of stuff. And it's, it's supposed to like give people their cognitive function back after brain injuries happen. Huh. Uh, and it's supposed to be like within a year, he said that they're ready to probably test it on humans. Uh, but eventually it's supposed to be like, it, they're no longer going to focus on brain injuries, but it, it's basically a way to give people uh, like a, a very enhanced cognitive function abilities for like everything across the board. So he was, he was talking about like, so first of all, there, there's one thing where people would start getting it and pe- people who would start getting it would be so much more pr- productive than anybody else. And that like people would basically, people who didn't have it would, would basically fall behind, like be behind the curve. Jeez. Uh, so eventually, like we talk about like robots taking over, but it's not necessarily like physical robots, but it would be in terms of these Neuralink being people having Neuralink and those people being way more productive. It's like steroids. Yeah. So people like eventually you either fall behind, like stay, like just live behind the curve or you'll be kind of forced to get this if you want to stay in the realm of like being successful. So eventually like we all would have to get it. Like that's, that would be the new norm. It's not like a physical robot, but people having these, these chips in their head that increases their, their cognitive function. Right. Yeah, but then Tom Cruise is going to be with the side of no robots, and then there's going to be a big battle. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I think the humans are going to win this one. Wouldn't it okay. win the gap, too? Isn't there? I feel like yeah. there's a TV show about this, that, like poverty and everything is yep. just completely <laughs> widen the gap between That's the biggest us. effect. It will just, yeah, it will widen the gap in terms of productivity, and the people who start doing it will uh, be in a place to be much more wealthy than, like, middle class and poor and it'll just widen the gap even more than it is now for sure and he's like knowingly just saying that and like but yes i'm leading the tech i'm leading the r&d on this effort yeah i mean pretty much like first he's he he says it's for a reason like brain injuries and then yeah but then uh they talk about that gap and being like yeah like first of all it's optional but like people who get who get it are going to be way more like productive than people who don't so like obviously so then there, there's going to be like a group of what, like 10,000 people who are just starting to way outperform, like yep. way, way outperform. Then that's when that discussion will be had and whether he's allowed to keep creating it or not. Right. Well, I mean, that discussion. Like if, if people, if people just start like being way too productive, like then that discussion will be had. Do we, Hey, Hey everyone, do we want to turn into robots or not? No, I'm well, good. Like, Illegal. Yeah, but then- and, but like, well, that's a pretty good point. Maybe we should let let the technology still continue. And then someone else will be like, well, I also cured dementia because of this extra yeah, yeah. power that I had. And then they'll be like, well, maybe we shouldn't get rid of the technology. Like you can kind of see how the slippery slope. Yeah, but limit limit the amount of people who can use it. Let them, let them be the, the smartest of the smart. But then, there's only, then there'll only be a select group. Like you have to give it to, you have to make it accessible to everybody. Right. But, um, so what I was going to say is like, so there's no, that's a, a huge issue. And like the governance of, of, of AI, like there is none. There's like different pockets, uh, in terms of like actual, like Congress, these different like regulatory bodies. And then there's right. the, the private side of like, uh, the tech side, uh, like Bill Gates and, um, Elon Musk, like, 
there has to be some intersection between the two, but there is no like overarching framework on how we're developing this and like how far we can go, how, how, you know, right. when to stop. So Elon Musk, like he's putting forth that we're doing this for, for in, like to prevent or cure injuries, whatever. Um, but then there's no limitation on that. Like there's no one stopping him there. It's, so that conversation has already happened, but there's no, there's no one to, to end it. There's no like limitation to it. Right. We live in a world where the, the first people that get there get to make the rules. The people that break yeah. to make the rules. I mean, it happens with Facebook and then, yeah, you can't expect policymakers, the same guys that asked Zuckerberg what the fucking internet was, <laughs> like to be, have the foresight to be able to make AI related policy. It's just yeah. like, yeah, no way. It's, it's scary, but you hope there's a good moral compass for those people that do break into that space first. But yeah, yeah I'd prefer not to believe it until it happened. Just like, uh, just like this flu or whatever. I'm just uh, gonna not believe it until I'm actually impressed. Because <laughs> a lot of it is just it's talk about infinity, and that's cool in graphs and everything. But I think human nature might be different. All right. Well, I'll, I'll just edit that comment out after after. <laughs> um, but so Elon was was also saying within five to ten years, because of Neuralink, humans will no longer have to talk, like verbally communicate. Jesus. Five to ten years, we'll have the ability to do that. Basically, just communicate through our devices in our brains. And like, so he was saying that like, so, so right now we're basically because of um, like our iPhones, our smartphones, we're like so tethered to it. And we have like such fast internet speed that we basically are a version of this like symbiotic relationship between us and AI already. If we don't know something, we, we can quickly look it up and, you know, create right. whatever we, we can verbally communicate what we just right. looked up. But now with, um, so says so something you want to look at Wikipedia, you have to like physically go to your phone, type it in, like ingest it and then verbally communicate it. Mm -hmm. But now with Neuralink, basically your brain will have the ability to look up information that you don't have stored right now, but we'll just look it up and you'll immediately be able to communicate it. Yeah. The guy who, uh, the guy who, there was some guy who predicted the internet who said that the next thing coming was you can, if you wanted to become fluent in a language, you just download it into your yeah. brain. Hmm. So that, that's uh that sounds pretty good to me, to be honest. Yeah. Not you're that, full, not, you're fully into it. You're yeah, like that's, that sounds out. good to do. You're, you're going to be the first one to get Neuralink. Oh yeah. And, yeah, and, sure. and, I, and I'm just timid as reasonably one, I'm not going to say should or shouldn't one, you know, can be in, in when somebody gets told, Hey, you're going to turn into a robot. You're going to have no feelings and uh, you're just going to communicate in your head. I mean, the feelings will still be there. I think so, like, so much of this is like the sales pitch with it of like, and I think Elon Musk like is a pretty good storyteller in a lot of regard of like selling. This is like, this is the improvement of human capability and all this stuff. And like, but then the same story could be told of like, losing language and things but, yeah, but yeah. let's say let's say you so so if you have all the information in the world what do you do with it you go out and move in the woods and you don't give a shit and you just there's no like no. practicing hobbies or crafts like everything then is just like for improvement of what no you just what become more productive you don't like when you're doing something but, but 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 we're talking infinity here what's the what like are we gonna move to a new planet and then like take over the soul like when does it stop 
when does productivity stop? Because productivity isn't isn't the answer. We're no, all going to we just, just die. Like, the sun's going to hit the earth. Like we all blow up. What's no, no, what? What is the what's the finishing? What's the point of this? Like if <laughs> if we question. know every if we know everything, everyone knows language. Everyone so everyone can communicate with each other. Great. Everyone starts like building. Oh, we need to move Earth. We need to go to Mars. Okay, like now you know we're going to go to Mars and colonize there. We keep just building and building and and for what? So what, what are we building a, for? That's a good question. Um, I think like it's, for, it's for the, our like survival. To be in nature and enjoy like beauty and like emotions, like that to me is more living than productivity. Okay, that's definitely a good point. I agree. But that, I feel like that stuff is, it will never go away. Like we're still going to enjoy that stuff. No emotions are going to go away. We're still going to mm. enjoy like human connection and nature. But for me, it's, it's there's literally our like survival. So in terms of like yeah. when this coronavirus came out, um, how we find a vaccine or a viral treatment or whoever, whatever, it takes time right. to do that because we have to do research. We have to spend we have to spend time doing research, spend time like trial and error in labs. Like when we become more productive, we'll we'll be able to do those types of things quicker. Yeah, uh, we'll go. And we, and we know that Earth it has uh, you know a limited amount of years before we'll deplete it because of global warming or whatever. We need. We need to explore other ways, uh, other planets, other ways of how we can continue to exist. Like, and that takes time. So we can become more productive to get to that point where we know what's the next step past Earth. Yeah, yeah. Like, literally, it's our survival. Yeah. We're just trying to exist. Maybe it gives you more time for those emotional things that you mentioned, Chris. Maybe it turns it into a three-day work week because of our productivity and, and we have a more emphasis on... Um, the human yeah. things. I mean, like, yeah, someone's 30 years ago would be like, some librarian would, would scoff at the fact that we can Google anything now. And it's like the yeah. system knowing that shit was a waste of time to have learned when we were in second grade. But like, I would argue that like we're things at our fingertips has been pretty good. And if we just like accelerate that, I, I'm, I'm, I'm on the knowledge train. Yeah. Kind of with Nick, maybe I'm not totally with Nick of like for the chip in the head, but I'm yeah. like, I, I'm an optimist about some of these things, I guess. Yeah, yeah, and I'm I'm just my disposition is just scared in general. And, yeah, me too. Which, <laughs> but like, like I'll Wait. be watching this, and I think I think Nick brings a good point in terms of its. The point is like survival. It's I. It's uh. It's planet hopping. It's uh. It's you know, uh, healthcare, it's like disease right. uh, things and, uh, and people who don't, yeah, people who don't keep up are going to get left behind. It's, it's, you know, already happening, you know, yeah. Yeah. people who don't know how to like send emails and stuff, they can't work. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, so what do you, what are you scared of? Is it that like, we're just going to have too much dependence on this type of stuff? Is it like the medical, like if putting something in our brain, like you're scared that to actually do that or is it like we're gonna lose a certain human element like starting to do this type of things these type of things yeah no i like i like life already i don't like to me it's when i think the robots find humans unnecessary oh so also to that point also what i'm saying is like forget the idea of human I mean, robots like having a mind of their own like it's still gonna be us 
but it, it's it, an enhanced and like fused version. But there's it, like forget yeah, yeah, about yeah. the idea that our robots taking over. But eventually, there could be a point where everybody has to have some type of uh, fusion with AI. Yeah, that sounds crazy. That sounds crazy. Like, <laughs> it, it, but like, like I don't doubt it's gonna happen. That just sounds. Like if you like fast forwarded me 50 years and we were all just like, I was like super productive and was just like building robots every day. Like I'll be like, Oh shit, that's crazy. Yeah. Like that is. I, a, think, I think like the, the, the widening gap is like the scariest thing of like what you're, if you, if you told librarians that Google's were going to exist back then, they would be like, that is insane. I'm a little. They, yeah. They'd be like, fuck this. But I think if you, if, I mean, it goes back to the policy thing, which is like, God help us if we're putting all our faith in policymakers to to make sure that it doesn't widen this gap. But like, you could almost see in a future where we're having the like everyone deserves the right to healthcare argument in thirty years. It might be everyone deserves the right to have the chip in their head argument. Yeah, you yeah. know, and it's like you ensure that it yeah. enter this like loop cycle of okay, the wealthiest people get the chip, therefore the wealthiest people are the smartest, therefore the wealthiest people get wealthier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Investments. And then like that pool just goes off into the ether of wealth. Yeah. <laughs> and then you leave these people behind who can't afford anything and and, and it's just like it just Yeah, yeah. That thing. Yeah, it's a huge problem. <laughs> yeah. Very I'll be problem. I'll be I'll be customer number 10 million <laughs> well, Man, it's, uh, that'd be cool like yeah. also i mean there's 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 no limitation to that kind of things like also like physically um like if you have a catast- catastrophic knee injury or a leg injury and now like you have an ability to like bypass those neurons and like have something that can recreate that uh ability but even better like then what happens with athletics and like there's so many different avenues like that that can be used for this and like where is the limitation i don't know um yeah to me it's just like it's fascinating it's like so fascinating how much we can do that type of thing right i think the never the the solution is never let's not do it though like i I think you've got to go at it with like, okay, let's be aware of what this could lead to all this sort of shit. But anytime a solution is we need to get rid of this technology, like that's not it in my mind. I mean, like, I think yeah, no. gotta be, we, we I, need to be responsible with this thing, you know? Yeah. Oh, you guys are, uh, you guys have kind of like flipped my mind on this. Uh, I'll admit like oh, when, yeah. uh, <laughs> took long when, enough. I've been saying this shit for like 20 years, man. <laughs> no i know you guys framed it in like a non-scary way though that the robots aren't taking over i will say when uh when like sophie was it was sophie the the ai woman oh you mean who got like interviewed uh, like she was made by like saudi arabia or something yeah, yeah. i know like, what i know what you're talking about yeah. she interviewed like uh, andrew sorkin yeah um yeah that was like crazy i couldn't like keep my eye off that that's pretty interesting i was, I was like kind of interesting but to like merge it with like humans and like actually in their brains like i just want to see what that looks like yeah so like well basically this this past uh you know on must podcast has has shifted my focus from creating an entire basically putting in um software into an existing like 
metallic body, like a complete um, metallic robot, as opposed to using the human brain and putting something in it to enhance it even further. I've like yeah. shifted from that to, to now like using the human brain as the foundation, but uh, just enhancing it through yeah. technology. So that seems more to look back on this video and like the same way we look back at those like today's shows where they're like, so what is the internet? So you look back on this and be like, these fools had what was coming. <laughs> that's that's why I like putting things on like <laughs> there it is. Um yeah, that's that's wild. Where do I invest in Neuralink? Can I invest? Yeah, seriously. Um no, you can't. Oh, no, you can't invest. But it will be coming in uh, one year from now will be the first human trial. Um, and it's looking like in five to 10 years, um, it will be slightly accessible to very wealthy individuals. You can go to the moon and they can get a chip in their head. Exactly. That was a weird one. Sorry. <laughs> There's a lot of these. <laughs> you got to get the family comedy laugh track from like uh, King oh, of laugh the track? That'd be really great. King of Queens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This one was like a random one that I put on. Rock and steady. Um, all right, what else? DJ drop. What else we got in terms of topics? Um, what about the uh, the uh, the restaurant one? The dine-in, if you could, mm. once COVID ends, quarantine ends, uh, and you could choose one restaurant to go to dine-in with a group of friends anywhere in the U.S., which one would you choose? I have an answer, but... So, one restaurant where I would dine-in at? Yeah, with a group of friends. So, it's also, like, a little bit about the experience as well. Yeah. I kind of thought about this one and I couldn't think of a specific, but like the type of restaurant, like I feel like everyone knows those restaurants where it can very easily transition into like a night out or like mm -hmm. it, it, those places. I feel like everyone's got their two or three of like, Hey, we can all meet here for a meal and there's a good chance we stay here for five hours. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Just take it over. And that's the sort of, that's the genre of restaurants my mind is going to. Of like where can you marathon this this meal into yeah my um yeah precisely my first thought and you know a, a little shame to say this was Benny Hanna. just be one Benny Hanna out of all the places no no I'm not, I'm not picking, I'm not picking <laughs> Benny Hanna, but okay. I thought that because of the dinner and then what to piggyback off of what uh, Jack said is the it's like the dinner and a show it's like yeah. you want dinner but you want to be also entertained somehow whatever it is like do whatever you want to you want to be able to eat watch something mm -hmm. like actively like get shit face like as, as yeah. messed up as like you want and be entertained you want to yeah. eat and be entertained in a close bubble a small bubble with your friends some some groups want to just be with their friends probably like married couples and stuff like that some groups single people probably want like other rando people in there. I don't want other random people. Definitely. I think that's, I think Hibachi is yeah. a great answer. To, yeah. I think that's a great answer. Yeah. But it's like, but yeah, like the reason like Benny Han, like I thought Benny Han, I was like, I feel like I could think like better, like whatever the best version of okay. like, that, like Hibachi, 
like would okay. be like somebody like cooking a great meal like in front of me like doing crazy tricks okay yeah, yeah. Um, but the food is better quality than benihana I'm trying to think of places like that well not hibachi but i also love benihana that, like so. as a good place to, to start the night with a meal Mm-hmm. Um, we had a place in San Francisco called Ryo- Ryoko, Ryoku, and it was a, it was a downstairs. It was in the basement. It was a sushi restaurant, and at like eight or nine p.m. on Fridays and Saturdays, a hip hop DJ would play. Down. Just like one of those places where you just go, you're having a good time, and then you kind of wake up the next morning, like what just happens? Yeah, kind of gets blurred. Yeah. and it's like just a, it just turns into the night, and it was always like the greatest. Yeah, yeah, because you need something else to like entertain you throughout the night. Because that right. moment when everyone like after dinner goes home is because there's a lull and right. people are bored and like like girls hate awkward silences. So then mm-hmm. whenever like in any group there's a lull, it's like, what should we do? Go home. Yeah. Like, this but if you yeah. if you're able to like with music, with like a visual, with a band, with even like a, a tour guide of some sort, like showing you like you get food and then you like explore the, the woods or explore like Yo, a, what? A nature. Explore the woods. Okay. Now we're talking. Okay. Um, hmm, like dinner, to, dinner and a show. I'm trying to think of places in New York. I can't think of, I know exactly the type like in my mind of, well, obviously a DJ is incredible, um, but the type of places that would like be a good spot to start out with. But I'm also thinking in those cases, like, I'm not going to eat that much. I'm going to start like drinking. So it, 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 the experience is, is, is great, but then it turns a little less into like about the food. Right. right. Um, to me, my number one answer is going to be uh, Peter Luger Steakhouse in uh, Brooklyn. Okay. Know, have, you, have you heard that of that place or been? I've heard of it. I've never been. Right. So I've actually never been either, but obviously I've been to other good steakhouse houses, but this is like one of the most famous uh, I live pretty close to it, but you have to like reserve, make a reservation like months in advance. So I never got a chance to go. But right. to me, like uh, at a night where it's like two, and this is going to eliminate probably the chance of going out, but like two to three hours yeah. where you get, it's like five courses and everyone is incredible and you're going with like a good group of friends and you might like dress up a little bit. Right. Uh, to me, like get some nice cocktails, like you know, a, a very like high class type of night for right. me is going to yeah, be. Yeah. So I was I, I like, that like answer I, a lot. Yeah. Cause when I first thought of Benihana, my immediate concern was quality. And then I, my next thought was like incredible steakhouse. Like yeah. you said, like five. Quarters. And you want that lengthened experience. Like you were exactly. three hours. Yeah. So it seems like steakhouses have like an inverse relationship on like lighting. Like the worse the lighting is, the better the steak. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like yeah. if it's totally dark and like there's mobsters in a corner and stuff, <laughs> this is a legit steakhouse. Yeah. 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 We're lighting three hours. Keep yeah. coming and like scare me with the with the mafia music in the background. Right. And an obvious answer is like you want the best food possible, and then right. like just the the best cooked steak right off the cow. Yeah. yeah. Although steakhouses are like just inherently like celebratory. Like it's always for an occasion, also because of the price. Like it's always it's an occasion. So this would be like a marked occasion of of quarantine ending. Yeah, when you go to when you go to like Vegas and you splurge on like you're splurging on the best like outings, 
like you always do uh like a nice steakhouse. steakhouse yeah yeah i feel like steakhouses are going to be well equipped to handle like this post-covid world i feel like tables are already pretty six feet apart they're pretty yeah. sparse places that like there's some of these restaurants that are like people sitting on top of each other trying to eat in some cities like i feel like steakhouses are like yeah we're just gonna open it up and <laughs> same seating as it always was yeah yeah, yeah new york is screwed New York, yeah. uh, I feel like a lot of people are going to look at living in New York a lot differently now. Um, yeah. Everything is just so, even like the restaurants are just small to begin with. So like they are going to have a hard time doing social distancing when they reopen. Yeah. Have you following yeah. like the ghost kitchen thing? Mm-mm. No. With uh, like Travis Kalanick who co-founded Uber and they yeah. forced out because he was kind of a hardo. I think he just got like a ton of funding and he's doing what's called ghost kitchens, which is basically like buying up um, commercial kitchens and like warehousing and turning it into commercial kitchens. And it's basically like this future existence where he sees like a, the, the barriers to starting your own restaurant are super low and the majority of restaurants won't have any brick and mortar customer facing existence. So it'll be like all ordering online or like you go to a, a bar and they'll hand you you know the menu of 30 ghost kitchens around and you order it from them and it gets thing mm. and it's like he's i mean i'm sure it's been validated with the covid thing but he's like it's the way of the future and um i could see that getting huge in new york of just like yeah actually when i, when I was still in new york uh like two years ago uh, like a bunch of uh places would, would hop up on would show up on grubhub or Uri's or whatever and I've never mm. heard of them uh, that I tried to do research. I couldn't find them. Eventually, I found out like there was these places that would have like either different restaurants that had no kitchen, but they would, I mean, they have no dining area, but they would just right. rent out a kitchen space in this huge place. And there'd be like eight of them, with all different right. brands, like all different restaurants, but they have no in, in like dining space. So yeah, I actually did see that for sure in New York before mm-hmm. I left. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's a great idea. But then again, it's hard to build a following. Like I couldn't even find them. Like I didn't, who they weren't on Yelp yet. Like it's hard to build a following with no physical store for food in my opinion. Well, without the, uh, the live experience, which is. Well, yeah, but like, like it's just hard being, uh, I don't know. There's just no like identity. Sometimes I think the way people order food is like habit. So like yeah. if you if you just find a commercial kitchen and you f- love the food, like you're you're just gonna get used to just ordering that, and that's yeah. gonna become like your new favorite. And what and if like, you're, it doesn't matter? It doesn't matter if there's a store or not. And if you don't pay rent, if you don't pay brick and mortar rent, if you don't pay for a host and and all these other employees, you might end up getting like a very a new tier of cost for. For food now so maybe that's mm. yeah I, I always i always thought like seamless and uber eats like the food is good but like i feel like there is like a there's like a notch above that that like i don't know like seamless was always just like unhealthy or like i don't know i feel like there was a notch above where food the food could be better mm-hmm. which i think these there's always that like those memes that show like you're your burger was nine ninety nine with two dollars shipping. It's now twenty eight dollars. Like, yeah, oh, yeah. Like it's yeah. just it adds up. Yeah. 
What are you sipping there, Nick? Is that a uh, cocktail? It is. Well, it's a it's a beer. Uh, oh, nice. From a local spot in DC. Just in a nice uh, mason jar. Red. I'm uh, I'm having a sober weekend. Ooh. AKA just just ripping bong and. Uh, <laughs> This will be my first sober weekend, no alcohol, maybe maybe in ten years or something. First weekend uh, in ten years? Damn. Yeah, I don't know. No, no way. I'm so used to like Friday, like crack a beer. Yeah. Yeah. Like, me too. I I can't remember the last time I just like didn't <laughs> didn't do that. Yeah. So ingrained in my in my habit. Um but yeah, we my consumption is like has like I'm more likely to have a couple beers on like Mondays and Tuesdays with all this, but I feel like my peaks have gone down. Like I, oh, it's done. It's done. Like I, I've less. I'm less likely to have like eleven drinks. <laughs> yeah. On my couch. There's but, no way. Yeah. There's no way I'm doing that. Like right. that's completely done. Yeah, yeah. I've gotten. I've gotten pretty. I think one night I did like uh, a bottle of wine and five beers like last Saturday. There you go. There's definitely, I've definitely had times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I'm just like I'm just like getting high and getting shit faced, like playing with music, and it's like very, it's like fun. But uh, yeah, not this weekend. Hey, Jack, what, what are you gonna do? Like, what do you? What's your plan now that classes are over? I'm <laughs> kind of shifting to like the the job search full time. Yeah. Um, but like trying to keep a keep some sort of routine man it's gonna be weird i mean classes were painful but at least it was something to, <laughs> some to routine yeah, yeah. Do. so it's uh it's gonna take a little bit of discipline to to keep getting up early and like doing shit yeah so are you just gonna stick around austin um for the interim like just yeah yeah my lease ends end of june but they're gonna they're like pretty open to going month to month on the same rate. So I might go yeah. to the end of July and um, yeah, I got some, some interesting leads with jobs. So we'll see where that goes. But yeah, a lot of, a lot of these companies are just like, we, we need to see over this mountain and see what's on the other yeah. side. Yeah. Very annoying. Anything. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm in the same boat still. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was, I was like, I had a few leads, didn't get those. So um, I'm just kind of in the same boat still now looking around. Right. Um, but yeah, my, my lease ends in July. So like, I don't know what to do. I'm just going to go back to Austin, I guess, and just like wait until my lease ends and then figure it out at the same time, obviously like with a job, like, but yeah, there's just what, so much uncertainty. Yeah. Just, what'd you say? When are you going to come back? Do you know? I don't know yet. Yeah. Like it, for me, it's just like picking a time to come back. Like there's no reason I have to be back, but right. I, yeah, I'll pick a time soon, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Don't you have to move your stuff out? Yeah, I do. I mean, my lease ends and then like, yeah, but then I'm still like looking for a job. If I get a job in Austin, like I could just stay. Right. Uh, so it's just like very, it's just so much uncertainty. I just don't know what to do. Yeah. I mean, I guess worst case you could throw it in a unit or storage unit or something down here and, and figure it out later. But yeah, dude, there's so much uncertainty. And with yeah. the t this thing too, like on Friday, he's, the governor's announcing like phase two. Like who knows who knows what July is gonna look like. Like we can yeah. I mean, yeah, he's we're gonna be the guinea pigs for the country, unfortunately. So uh yeah. 
it's going to be interesting. I mean, I think he thinks July, everything's open. I honestly think our governor thinks that. So it's going to be an interesting, uh, who knows what mm. like. Are people, other people in school, have you seen other people? Uh, a little bit, yeah. I played uh, golf yesterday. Which Ooh, nice. Well spaced out with, yeah. uh, with Santiago and Eugenio, which was cool, but yeah. Seeing people on like walks and stuff, mostly outdoors. Yeah. But it's yeah, it's weird. Like I'm, uh, like I'm. I wouldn't be. I'd be lying if I said I wasn't like excited at the thought of opening up again. But in my yeah. also like, is this the best idea? <laughs> yeah, I'm like that's one of the reasons I want to come back. I like, I'm hoping that there'll be people will be comfortable to like doing something. So like, yeah. I want to see at least I, I can't just like not see everyone ever again. Like right. that's a ridiculous notion. Like from when I came home, spring break to just for, is yeah. over, completely over. Right. It's like the most anticlimactic ending ever. To yeah. But there's no closure. Like just not, not even a chance to say like peace. <laughs> yeah. Which, yeah. Which yeah. might like make us make more of an effort in the years out of it to like yeah. see each other and stuff. So maybe that's a positive that comes out of it. But that being said, like, we got seven eighths of our program intact and yes, the final eighth was fucked, but I feel bad for these first years and even incoming first years. Like they're gonna really, this is going to be a totally different experience for them. than. Yeah. That sucks. That does suck. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's rough. Um, Too like how naturally put your hands up. (laughs) These conversations, (laughs) like I was talking with my friend about it, like, Every seven minutes, I think it is, every conversation I've ever had quickly goes back to, yeah, I don't know when this is going to end. Anything, and it's just like, I have such fatigue about I think it's going back towards us, like, guessing this shit and talking about how much of a downer it is. Just like, yeah. yeah, I think, like, like Texas and Georgia are going to start opening up, and then either it's, it's going to make things worse and we go back to more of this or it's fine and more places open up and i think the first like big gatherings are going to be like the most like scared awkward yeah oh yeah um but once it happens and like nothing happens and you (laughs) kind of get used to it again yeah i don't know when that's going to be like all festivals are just canceled like big gatherings just canceled this year yeah there was a bill gates had an interview where someone was like do you really think it's realistic that we get a vaccine to you know a couple billion people in 2021 it basically like set him up to say no and he was like no i think it's totally plausible like we can with that we what that we could get a vaccine to like billions of people basically this interviewer was trying to set him up to basically say like no there's no way and he was Bill Gates was like, yeah, I've done the math and it's pretty realistic that we could, we could get a vaccine. Um, like what, within 2020? 2021. No. Oh, 2021. Okay. But like, yeah, I, I think, um, I don't know. I don't fucking know. Like, <laughs> yeah. Give us a forecast, but that's just like <laughs> broken my golden rule. Like it always, I always just, all these conversations end up with like us sitting here of like, what we <laughs> Like none of us have a fucking clue. Nobody has any idea. Like, yeah. I was guessing at this point. It's a waste of brain space for me. Right <laughs> it's just like. Yeah, it is. As for like a couple of weeks, 
I was just like so lost. Um, like I had no idea. There was like the uncertainty was just like completely overwhelming to me. Right. Um, but then just like key, yeah, keep me to a routine and like just doing shit. Like mm-hmm. definitely helps keep my mind off of like just turning totally. on CNN and listening to random shit. Uh, so yeah. now that it's over, I'm a little worried again. I have to like start doing something else. It's funny too. Cause like before COVID, the big headline was like five ways to avoid fake news. And now the big headline is like five ways to avoid real news. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm it's like a real skill. News. It's yeah. a skill being able to avoid seeing like everything. I've, yeah. So if I'm good at it, just like I know where to look. I know if I start to see, if I go down this rabbit hole, I'm like, okay, I'm <laughs> yeah, this because it's gonna be a downer. I don't know. Yeah, I can't. I can't watch. I can't watch the news like that. I have to just completely get lost in other, in just Netflix, other narratives, creating shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, Netflix it, doesn't isn't enough for me now. Like, I'm still. So Yo, I've I've started like I've started reading books, doing puzzles. Like I've been actually starting not watching because yeah. like watching Netflix, I was like, okay, I'm getting bored of this. Yeah. yeah, I need to like do something else. I've been reading. This is super random, but I've been reading like Western novels, like like Ooh. settling the frontier because it is has nothing to do with what we're going. <laughs> yeah, like fucking like yeah, like are those fiction or or boy. are those nonfiction? It's historical fiction, so it's like Louis L'Amour, author that wrote like short stories, and it's like fifteen-page short stories about like you know an outlaw like killing a sheriff, sort of thing, and just like it's just yeah. so like outlandishly not it doesn't have anything to do with my job search or the, <laughs> yeah yeah or anything that like I like read that before bed and I actually like sleep very well because. Really? like has nothing to do with wow that's that's a good idea i need to stop like i need to put down the devices before bed i need to find right. some way to like turn my brain to something else right um, read something totally not related to anything yeah yeah, yeah ex- exercising just like self-improvement and like that's you know it's really just like routines and that's why i like like during the work week I have like just healthy, healthy routines. And then during the weekends, just like try to entertain myself the best way, the best ways I can. Yeah. Yeah. Me and my roommate were talking like it's in a weird way. The weekends are almost harder than the weekdays. Cause like the weekdays you kind of, at least you're busy and you're doing stuff. And then the weekend I've, I've had more time to sit there and be like, fuck this world is up right now. (laughs) Yeah, that is true. (laughs) <laughs> okay, yeah that's why i need to uh i need to find something else also i think we i should, mean I've, uh, I've also been there like way before this like i've always thought the world was fucked up <laughs> and i never i actually never watch the news i've always been scared of the news i hate the news it's always the worst stories it's the most sensationalized stories right you know yeah i understand like you should be informed in my you know my i let my girlfriend do that but i do i hate the news and i've always hated the news and so now it's just like the sa- still the same for me, except more people feel the way I've always felt. I'm a big yeah. bury, bury my head in the sand because mm-hmm. I because one I'm lucky enough to be able to, and two, I just every time I watch the news I just get sad, just like child murders, somebody performing something horrific, like 
horrendous people dying like like yeah. I, people it's like a reality tv show and i see why people love like the certain kind of narratives of just horrible things happening but it's yeah. too it's too like actually scary for me to like want to sit down because then i'm going to sit down and be like i have to do something but i don't really yeah. actually want to do anything yeah uh, I, I hate the news i i've never i i agree but like there's the, the reason i, I want to watch I don't, I don't i don't i don't feel like i have like a duty to like keep up with people and like help people like i just don't yeah you hated the news before it was cool to hate the news yeah i've i've never been like i have to follow and like keep up and like keep a close eye out on like what's happening so i like i just don't feel that I yeah need well to. i mean there's the reason like there is a reason to keep up especially when uh it's first started i mean there actually is real information and like real facts so is it, it was important to keep up for sure like what are the new newest developments like what are the new things you that we're finding about like the symptoms of the virus and like how we can uh, like put ourselves in a better position to transmit it, et cetera. Like it's definitely important to know like the state of things, but <laughs> like, so I was, I was definitely keeping up with that, but at a certain point of time, there's so much uncertainty and there's not getting past that. So like, what's the point of, yeah, but every, every day, like I need, like what am I? What do I need to do this week? Spark notes. Give me very simple directions. Like news, it's on every day, twenty four seven. Breaking news of coronavirus. That's too much. Like, yeah, I, I would. I would hate following that. Like, I, I would just be like, like, there's nothing new. Like, you tell me. You're the experts. Tell me what to do, and that's it. Yeah, the show should be. That's Five minutes long, once a week. After a certain point, tell me what to do. Because there's still so much amount of uncertainty, there is nothing new. Like, and that's when yeah. they're starting to sensationalize a lot of things. So that's why I'm not. It's hard to still keep up with it. But yeah. if you just completely close it off, you are missing. Yeah, I'm not some talking complete. Stuff. I'm talking. I closed it. Up. Corona happened for ten days. I knew it was. You know, I needed to wash my hands a bunch of times. So I'll keep up. But my, I closed. Skill. I closed that window like a lot. Yeah. Like a long time ago. The new like when, masterful skill is to be able to keep yourself informed while keeping your sanity and happiness. And it's just yeah. some people can do it and some people can't because there's like the fact that this has become politicized and like you go too far left and there's people saying like, you're an idiot if you think that this is ending before 2024 <laughs> and like this is, don't go anywhere and you're a fool. And then yeah. it's like, shit that's pretty scary and then you slam that door shut and then you turn around and it's like you're an idiot if you take away my freedom and don't let me go to fucking the movies tonight and it's like that's scary so i'm closing that door and then you just like you're just like i just don't want to open any more doors right now because it's just gonna be a serious bummer yeah and in debate in debate you can go like so many different ways and prove things wrong and right and just like ask a million questions but like in terms of actual action, like, I don't think for, you know, in terms of actual action, you can either do it or you can not talk about it so much. There's a lot of people who just like keep talking about like things that they right. should do and just like right. never do anything. They just like yeah. talking about it. Yeah. And like, to me, I, I can't be like, if I start watching the news, then I would like, I would feel like I want to do something, but I would, I know myself that I would never actually go so i would just be like talking nothing i would just yeah. it would just be pointless for me yeah i agree whereas like 
like I have my job and then I have to be, I have to just like focus on staying healthy because I can't do too much with other people. I can't do too much other than my job. And then weekends are for me, you know, figuring out what's like beautiful and like, yeah, just like for me. Yeah, yeah I agree. Um, yeah, I think we should, um, we should get Jack's opinion on one last topic before we close this out. Uh, we've gone a considerable amount of time, like around two hours, which is uh, pretty, pretty high for us. We usually go like one thirty, maybe. Right. It's going to be a chunky, uh, chunky file. Yeah. Uh, but so last week, well, this is, this is an ongoing debate with our group of friends, probably for, I don't know, five years. <laughs> um, and it's something we talked about last week also. Um, but in terms of, movies movies only not tv shows um like the best way for ron tomatoes uh some of us like the critics score more some of us mm. like the audience score more mm. and like we all we all pretty much think ron tomatoes is the best way recommendation there like rating system but um we have a huge argument over which is which is better their critic score or the audience score mm. um and if Stack, you want to quickly state your position? So Nick doesn't have it completely right. Oh, don't state, not, well, don't state. Okay, fine. Re- it's not which is better. It's do you need both the critic score and the audience score? Mm. Okay, fine. You want me to look? I, I think <laughs> my opinion is I decide what to watch based off of the discrepancy of critics and audience more than I decide what to watch based off of either critics or audience exclusively so what do you mean exactly it's the discrepancy that if if there is a discrepancy you you discredit that movie yeah if if there's a hundred percent critics 26 percent audience i don't want to watch it if it's 100 critics 100 audience i i know it'll be good if it's even the other way around you know 76 percent audience 25% 25% critics. I know it's probably corny and like, eh, I have to think about it. I take it, I take it uh, genre related. I had a big debate with someone recently of whether Rotten Tomatoes holds up for comedies. And I think that yes. <laughs> I take uh, audience score, I think it's important for comedies and I largely disregard critic score for comedies. So I'm like, if, and I'm also my, my threshold is much lower for comedies. Like if it's, yes. 60 on on audience i'm like all right this is worth a shot yeah for comedies and then it's like who cares what the critic says but i agree on the the discrepancy like my my brother's a big movie buff and stuff and some of his movies suggestions like pride themselves on having a big group of audience people that don't get it and i'm like i don't like those movies so those ones that have a great critic score and then a low audience review, it's like they're kind of priding themselves on the ability to isolate or. Okay. I see what you're saying. Audience. But yeah, I see that's a, that's a, that's a new angle in terms of movies trying to like pride themselves and in, in being like uh, innovative or artistic in a certain way. Right. But like, so for me, um, I don't care about the audience score. Like, at all like the audience score pretty much doesn't exist for wow me. even because, comedies well okay that's another thing comedies i always say should not be part of this conversation um, I, and i think you're lying i think nick's lying to himself 
Okay. Uh, let me continue real quick. I, I think audience does you does matter for you. Okay, for for comedies and like in my mind, if in my mind, like say there's uh, someone who's like writing uh, the dialogue for a comedy, uh, like a big comedian or something, or who's like has direction in the whole, entire film, like um, I don't know, like Martin Lawrence or like Kevin Hart. I feel like they have a lot of say in like the movie and like the dialogue, the jokes in the movie. So for me, there's a, there can be like a great like comedic performance inside a movie, but like as a whole, like the movie is like extremely, it's not a g- great movie. It could be like extremely corny, but like the jokes inside of it are incredible. Uh, so for me, the, the like the audience score will capture that. And like, it, I don't care about the critic score at all for the, for comedies in like in general. So for me uh, in this debate, I always say comedies are the one thing that's ex- excluded. Um, but for me, like, uh, so because the audience score incorporates so many people and like, I don't want to hear about the, this not trying to sound fucked up, but I don't want to hear about like the people that shouldn't be talking about movies. Uh, I don't want to hear their, their opinion should not influence the score. So there's, mm-hmm. there's people who are more qualified to talk about movies because it is an art form. Like it's not like rating something on Amazon for like it's practical use. It's like there are people who do this for a living or I don't know, like spend more time reviewing films. And I think their opinion is a lot better than just the broad spectrum of people who have the ability to rate it. So for me, so, I don't- So does the disparity that Chris talked about, does that ever draw a red flag from you? What if you see a 94 and then a 60 or a 50? No, in that case, not one second of thought is put into the- Interesting. Interesting. So like we were talking about a lot of- uh, movies that Chris says are indie. I don't know what you mean by that, but so there's a couple like horror movies like The Witch and like Hereditary. They're produced by A24 and it, Chris thinks those are like indie and like he doesn't like them because they try to do some like different types of things. And for me, like you're saying those movies could pride themselves on doing that. But I'm saying like you can't just, it, it, Chris yeah. is not qualified to say those movies are not good the, because the, the critics, The critics are already put on a higher pedestal by having their own section in Rotten Tomatoes. I don't care if a movie has the best cinematography, you know, you know, this side of Brokeback Mountain. Like I I need, I want action. I want adventure. I want to feel shit. I don't like care about the art of movies similar to, I don't care about like, sometimes I don't care about classical music or like what could be considered the best, like, uh, you know, the best quote unquote music. Okay. From critics standpoint, I don't care about, you know, food, I guess I'm consuming it, but to a point I just, you know, I don't know. What do you think about like Netflix taking off ratings and they only deliver based on their algorithm to you? You think that's a better way of, of doing it? No, I like, I like discrepancies. I, I would like to, uh, that's a good question because the reason I like audience is just because it offers like there are a lot of high critics like you know like do I want to sit down and watch the movie Roma like not it's a really sad fucking movie it's yeah. like it's really artsy really well done I would <laughs> I would I would go analyze the shit out of it in my you know my film class at school but right. like, do I want to watch it while, you know, chilling around on a Saturday? Probably yeah. not. 
I need, I need, I need, I need something else to tell me that, you know, this is that the majority of people, the majority of dumb dumbs enjoy this (laughs) because I don't want to like, I don't need to be like smart while watching a movie. Fair. That is fair. Yeah. I, I mean, like for the most part, I agree junk generally if I've never heard of a movie and I look it up on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, the critic score is, is, is around the same ballpark of like my thinking, oh, almost always, of whether I, should, well, whether I like it or not. Um, right. And the audience, like we were talking about last week, we were going through a, a list of movies that had the biggest discrepancies in audience and critic review in mm, 2019. That's interesting. And like most of them, which had a high audience score but low critic score, were based on a certain brand, whether it be like Disney or like X-Men or like Godzilla mm. or had a particular actor that has a huge following like Will Smith or something that right. automatically inflates the score for, for audience. Like they're always going to go there. They're always going to like it. Just rate it high. So, right. It doesn't talk to the actual quality of the movie. At so all. what about the other way? Like yeah. high, high critic, low audience. I'd be interested to know what those movies were because I feel like that's a brand of movie that I can like, pinpoint of like these are movies that have a very niche following that have these critics that like love the idea of like oh it's it's actually a symbolic yeah, yeah. for purgatory this whole movie <laughs> you're like what it yeah. mean? critics are just or the audience is just like no that's just way too much and why why did this have this stupid ending that didn't give you any closure like the, that's the brand of movie that i think has that gap yeah, and, and to Jack, what Jack was saying with the certain kind of audience, like a critic is a certain kind of audience. And I was saying like audience is a good step, but like I was just thinking, because this is where Netflix recommendation comes. They're literally trying to like, Chris, you, you personally from everything you've watched, you're going to like this, I swear. It's not good in my opinion. It's not <laughs> there yet, but like, yeah. like, if I found an algorithm that gave me exactly what I liked and knew me, I don't need, I don't need it. Rotten tomatoes right. at all. Yeah. Mm. I think that's where they're going with that. Right. I don't need rotten tomatoes at all. Like I was trying to think of like, the reason I like the discrepancy is because there's just two, there's two different data points to look at. And, yeah. um, and then I was thinking, I was like, okay, what could another data point be? The data point would be Chris age 30 right now couple beers a bong rip like nothing too very very fun like a perfect recommendation just for me and for whoever i'm with even like a combined you know but that is essentially what netflix is trying to do yeah um i think adam sandler largely was a huge driver of it too like his movies have historically never been rated well maybe like the core two or three but he's got like a huge following still that of people that are just resilient to those reviews. And they were just like, you know, they signed into that huge deal, whatever the fuck they paid him for five movies to Netflix. And they were just like, we don't want to inhibit anyone from enjoying content just because of a shitty review. Like we'd rather serve up stuff that we know is going to work or connect with you. Like, mm, that's true. Yeah. It's something we found like high audience scores will be like super like Will Smith is always going to get a high interesting like audience score like these but superstar that's like, that's, askers. That's clear bias. Like you have to eliminate or reduce the bias in every way possible. 
Right. But yeah, but it's, it's still another data it. point. You should also deliver it to someone who loves, who's seen 17 Will Smith movies on Netflix. Yeah, well, yeah, 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 for sure. You should deliver it to them, you know. You yeah. know it's not a good movie. <laughs> for sure, yeah. Like when you say like though. every time, like your movie matches with the critics every single time. I'm not saying like, every single time, but majority, yeah. I mean, not like if or whether I'll, I'll like them or not, yeah. Yeah, so then there's, then there's distrust. Another data point would be nice. Not for me. It's not 100%. There's a little distrust. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I, I don't think the audience score fixes that besides comedies. Um, but, yeah, it will be interesting to look up. I tried to Google movies with the, the biggest discrepancy in terms of high critic and low audience. I couldn't find any yet, but it would be really interesting to find those. I think a lot of them are going to be those indie films, um, probably yeah. – um, that are slow and like try new things. Totally. Have you guys ever seen the movie Barton Fink? No. No. God, this just like epitomizes, this epitomizes that type of movie where it's just like high reviewed. I'm pretty sure it's high reviewed by critics, but it, it just at the end, you're just like, what the fuck did I even just, <laughs> like what was, what was this like director was trying to get across this like absurd, thing at the end and it like rolled credits and it was just like oh. ooh, ooh. 90 does it yeah sometimes the ending 89 will... from audience yeah oh fuck that <laughs> <laughs> i uh like i i felt that way for this korean movie called old boy i oh felt that exact way. i saw that what'd you think think wait i don't know how to ask you what it whether it's uh it's from the same guy that did the the one that just won Best Picture, right? Parasite. Parasite. Same director. Is it, um, let's see. Part, it is. I know the guy. Boy director. Old boy. No, it's directed by Park Chan Wook, and I think the guy who did Parasite had Bong in his name. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I remember that. Um. But yeah. For me, old boy, like it just I've ended. Seen old boy, yeah. And it, yeah, and I'm like 94% of audience loved it. Not not this audience, but like it was a was a trip though. <laughs> yeah, it was. it was crazy. I couldn't stop. Everyone it. here has seen it. We can talk Absol- about it. Yeah, we've all seen okay, it. Okay, yeah. good. Yeah, I was just like, what the fuck did I just watch? Yeah, I mean, but so for you, stack, like it was so fucked up that it was too like cringy for you like it made you uneasy and you like therefore didn't like the movie right yeah 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 so for me the movie that does that that has that effect on me is a better movie right if it if it evokes emotion then i guess it's done its job like i guess uh did you guys see uh uncut gems yep that's a huge yeah. debate also so like i, I hated it i hated right. that i hated that like feeling in my gut and the discomfort the whole time but then i guess like a director that can make you feel that way is pretty damn good yeah sure that's fair i just say yeah that's fair i don't want to feel that like i when i go see a movie (laughs) like i i love horror movies because i want to go and i want to feel scared i want to feel uh i want to feel like a certain kind of scared not like blood like it's the same reason i don't like like gore like don't show me like people just don't show me just like blood and guts everywhere it's lazy yeah. i don't like to feel 
I don't like to go to movies and like cry the entire time. I don't like to go to movies and feel anxious. I don't like a movie that, you know, the entire time at the end, I'm like realizing I'm watching a guy fall in love and like fuck his daughter. Like, I don't like that. Yeah. And like yeah. that, to me, like I see movies cause I want to like feel a certain way. And there's some feelings that I just, I'm not there to go feel i when i was watching old boy i wanted to see like i wanted to see a good story and then be like oh wow i want to i want that that thriller like oh i can't believe that happened yeah rather than feel disgusted um yeah that was yeah. my fucking experience that's that that's just i mean me. like for me if the more i like think about a movie after i'm done watching it is uh that has yeah. a huge effect for me um I but like that. so the anxiety i felt through, like throughout the movie and uh like uncut gems like that's it makes me more engaged in the movie um and old boy too like a bunch of hereditary we talked about um those movies are better in my opinion but like the fact that you say that that limits so many type of movies so therefore you're only you only like a certain type of movie so why am i interested in your rating of all movies it's like a, a clear bias so that's why the, i don't like audience that's like an argument for why I don't like the audience score. Just, just bias. Yeah, that's fair, but it's an amalgamation of like. I don't want an average points. though. I don't want that yeah. average. I want like. Yeah, right. but you still need that discrepancy. Like, I don't understand what you're saying. That audience score doesn't matter at all. Because if we just had one score, then we have IMDb. Yeah. And well, there's, and it's just not a, it's not clear cut. Like I, I know critics is a, it's critics, critic, well acclaimed critic movies. That is a, a genre in itself. Okay, fine, fine, fine. It kind of, yeah, yeah, kind of. I guess. And then you, and then, and then you saying exclude comedies. Then you're just trying to like win the argument because you're just like <laughs> exclude this, exclude that. Like no, you have to. Add well, I, every- I've, I've made my argument for why they should be excluded though, because like the jokes inside them. It's not really about the movie. It's about the jokes inside of them. Yeah, but... It might just be like, this is a point for the personalization trend. Is like, the argument, like, it's so personal to each person that it's like... Yeah, only Netflix, like Netflix can try and, and get what I exactly want. Right. Like that's, or- that's, what I, that's what I want. And, like, critics is not always it and like i miss out on a lot of good movies that critics don't like which comedies yeah i think maybe horrors could fit fill in there yeah Uh, like corny slashers uh although there's corny like there's corny slashers that do a good job though there's corny ones and then there's corny ones that do good like scream tremendous movie uh that was like almost a parody of slasher movies it was like like Cabin in the Woods, which you liked. Like those have like like comedic, funny ways. But to I, like be I, a I feel I feel like I know the critics. Like I feel like I know who a movie critic is, and I don't always agree with them. Yeah, yeah. Like in in terms of like, I also hate the hijacking of the term best and and like the term. Like these are the best movies because of a criteria that we created. I'm like, well, I wasn't, you know, True. I wasn't putting on this. And like, yeah, you studied it a bunch, and I'm, I'm not 
you know, I don't need to intellectually analyze a movie like that. I just want to watch it and enjoy it or not enjoy it. Yeah. True. That's a good point. Um, my buddy had a good question the other day, just food for thought for you guys in a future episode of, um, they went through and named their top five comedy movie villains. Comedy movie villains. Interesting. Yeah. Like, uh, like Mugato. Mugato is my number one. Shooter McGavin was a big popular one. Mm. Yeah. The, uh, who are the best at being both comedic and like just a fuck you villain that you hate. It's tough to, only some people can really capture that well. Yeah. I'm trying to think of what are some well and hateable. So like Mugatu and Shooter McGavin were like the first. Like uh, White Goodman's another popular one in Dodgeball. Um, yeah. Tony Perkis and Heavyweights. A lot of oh, better. I was about to say Heavyweights. Yeah, that was yeah. amazing. Yeah. He's incredible. Crazy. Yeah. Wow. Forgot about that movie. Yeah, there's some, there's some good ones if you dig deep. Not to derail the, the topic on. No, no, that's good. I think, uh, I think that was a good um, ending for sure. Um, Keep the wipe alive. <laughs> nice. We need to improve our, our sound effects a little bit. Hell yeah! I'm excited. You can add them retroactively too. Yeah. Ooh, yeah, yeah. We haven't done that at all. Well, at least I haven't in terms of editing post. Um, well, one of the things that I can do is if you just send me the audio, I I can make audio clips of Nick going rotten tomatoes, rotten tomatoes. <laughs> Wait, what are we What are we gonna do with the audio though? uh what would we do with it yeah i don't know it could just be like you know my one of my way of talking or agreeing like i can put things that i think you know into like categories like like funny i agree i dis you know essentially what texts are uh thumbs up thumbs down exclamation mark ha 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 and uh and maybe a heart and then put those into whatever audio uh Mm. that needs to be and And they're just literally reactions from me. Yeah. I like it. Well, uh, thanks, Jack, for coming on. Yeah, thanks. Uh, Thanks for having me, guys. Good to meet you, Jack. Yeah, good to meet you, guys. Good uh, two-and-a-half-hour conversation. Hell, yeah. That's always the way I like to start a friendship. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Two-and-a-half-hour Zoom. (laughs) I was going to say, also, the the reason I like podcasts is, like, it's definitely a much better way of chilling with someone than just, like, we go, like – go over to your place and just like watch TV and like whatever. But this, like you're forced to have like a a conversation without any other distractions. It's like a great way to chill. Like you can't do it that much, but like, it's just a great way to, and you're like forced to talk more than you would be. You would. Yeah. You have to talk. You can't just like stare and watch TV and be silent. Right. And you don't feel douchey for spitting, you know, spewing around things. You can, I can kind of just say it without feeling lecturing, which is nice. Exactly. Yeah. It's just what you think. Yeah, just like, so this is going to be a good time capsule of like, in 10 years, I'll show my kids of like, this is what I was thinking yeah, yeah. of the fucking yeah, quarantine. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Also, dad like, was, dad was really down right now. <laughs> <laughs> also, like, we'll, we'll have arguments and like, um, I'll say like, oh, I said that two years ago. And like, people are like, no, you didn't. And I was like, I'll, I'll literally give them the clip of me saying it on air. Like, I said this. Hell yeah. So it's like Which also, it's a double-edged sword, man. Hopefully this, nothing I said here gets me <laughs> discredited from yeah. running for president or some Canceled. shit yeah yeah uh, i yeah, think yeah. we're pretty politically correct i don't think we no 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 i'll take out i'll take out sex state coronavirus statement for sure but <laughs> what was my coronavirus it. statement i don't know I, you said they're like everyone's dumb or something let's turn it out <laughs> <laughs>
you said it's not real. Um, but we're good. We're good. Yeah. Hopefully, I didn't rip on Spotify and too much in my. Uh... It could haunt me in my job interviews there. <laughs> no, no, no. I think I think Spotify's I think Spotify's doing this on purpose, or they're trying to figure out how to do it because they're holding back the data. And I think yeah. they definitely are having this kind of conversation: how to socialize the music. Let's right. keep gathering data and like think about it because I I do get annoyed that it's you know. Like I want, give me the play metrics and let me make my own story. But they want to really, you know, create that experience, and they have the library to do it. So yeah. I think that's definitely a conversation that they're having. For sure, for sure, for sure. Well, I look forward to seeing uh, seeing the episode or whatever it looks like when it's fit, said and done. But for uh, thanks for having me, guys. Let's keep. Yeah, talking. man. Yeah, thanks for being on. Maybe we can have you on uh, again sometime in the future. Hell yeah. I look forward to it. We'll talk about comedy movie villains. (laughs) (laughs) All right. See you guys. Peace. See you guys.